This is a game about places over time. Think about places that have been important to you. Your childhood fort under the rose bush, your first apartment, the one with the view, the town where your grandmother spent her last few years. Or think about the places that have been or will be important to others, a city-state in revolt, an ant colony, a generation ship 400 centuries into its voyage towards another star. Although there may be times during this game when we are compelled to widen or narrow our focus, this is not possible for us. The story we are building is about this place, this field, this star, this city, this tree, this crossroads. No matter how we feel about our characters, if they leave our frame, we may not follow. Our camera is anchored to our place and may not pivot or stray. Remember that places have memory, that what has happened here is always in some smaller big way written into the walls, the stones, or the future of the people who continue to live here. Fundamentally, this is a game about the echoes and traces we leave for others after we are gone. Hi, welcome to We Like the Idea, a podcast where a group of best friends come together and bring their ill-conceived notions to life. For better or worse, it's for your entertainment. Today we are playing The Ground Itself, which is designed by Everest Pipkin, and it's a really fantastic world-building game that, from the intro you can tell, focuses on building a place uh, and, and a history for that place. Um, and our motivation for building a history and building a place is we are starting a new Dungeon World campaign. Um, we have had one going for quite some time that we feel very strongly about, uh, but it is much too far along to sh to bring into the podcast effectively. Uh, so we are going to start from scratch and record every step of it along the way uh, for uh, all two of you to listen to. Uh, third person, fucking speak up. We see you, we hear you, rise up. We are going to start by playing the ground itself, which is going to establish kind of the fundamental histories and truths about our world. Uh, and following that, we are going to play The Quiet Year, which is designed by Avery Alder, which is a similar game in in, uh, in structure, but is much different in its intent, which is really to establish the prior year, the last year of a, of a small settlement. Um, so think of this as a, a wide camera lens zooming in, um, and then we will zoom in even further to our characters when we start actual play of the campaign. Um, so before we start and, and get, you know, set up handled for the game, uh, we'll go around the table and introduce ourselves. Um, I am Dan. Uh, I usually am a player in this group, though I may GM from time to time. Um, but, uh, I am, uh, I'm the, I'm the like mafioso of this whole thing. I'm the organizer. I got the mics. I got the people. We got the house. He got the looks. He's six foot two ladies. <laughs> Listen, so many have said that 5'11 is the new six feet, uh, many being me in my Tinder bio. If you know, you know. Uh, anyway, I, I'm Dan. Please, God, someone else introduce themselves. Uh, hi, I am uh, Nicholas Acosta. Uh, I am sort of the, uh, tend to be the DM for most of our stuff. The tentative uh, forever GM. The tentative forever GM is a great way to put it, um, and not for any uh, belonging reason, I find myself in the best position of comfort when I am there to help people tell their stories. Uh, not to say I don't think I'm bad at trying to tell a character story uh, on my own, but I feel the most confident at the helm of things um, and the happiest there. But yeah, I have a much more bigger appreciation for being a player now. Uh, thanks to Dan. Uh, thanks to a, the other person that's here who actually gave me the first time of being feeling like a phenomenal character in a campaign. Uh, and we're happy to have him here with us. 
Uh, but that's me, and I'm very excited to try and tell a lower magic world that we're going to attempt to. Hey, guys, I'm actually from a few states away. I just got back here. I was actually a fan. I was the secret third one. <laughs> now I'm actually able to come over here and, well, I'm honestly, I'm living a dream. Uh, my name is Javen Kitchens. Like I said, I am the newest member of this cool little group, and uh, I am basically a loving character and an aspiring DM. So, baby, you guys will be able to hear one of my campaigns eventually. Uh, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to be here. And I praise I praise both Dan and Nick for inviting me over to this group every day. And I will probably do it until they kick me out. That Never going to happen. And also, we're just as thankful to have you, bud. Correct. Um, okay, so let's start. Um, this is not a short game. Uh, it's going to be... A grind, but a pleasant grind. Um, not unlike one that you might experience at the club. As, um, um, as a recording that will be posted, do you think this will be like a whole thing or in parts? Do you want to at some point like have breakups? We will probably... Do, I, we'll see, right? Yeah, we'll I think we can, I, I think we can play it by ear. Um, mm -hmm. But I would, pr I think, prefer to upload this in one chunk. Yeah, for uh, me, just I because, love that. Yeah, I feel like people that are going to want the world building are going to want it or not. There doesn't really Correct. need to be a breakup. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I would love to have like session zero, part one, the ground itself, session zero, part two, the quiet That's cool. year. Yeah, I like that a lot. You know, um, session negative one, session zero. Exactly. <laughs> we're working, we're working our way in. Um, the introduction. Okay. So uh, to kind of briefly explain uh, the ground itself, we are going to be playing in what's called cycles. Um, we play in four of them. Each cycle is separated by a gap in time. Um, so we are going to roll a six-sided dice to see how wide a span that time is, that gap of time is, and then roll the dice again, which is how much of that span. So to be clear, um, if I roll a one, it's going to be we're jumping days into the future or the past. And then we roll again if we roll a five, we're jumping five days into the future, right? Um, but if we roll a six, we're moving millennia into the future. So this game can definitely take on a scope that is quite large and, and uh, even intimidating. Um, but that's kind of the fun is challenging yourself to, to tell those difficult things um, and, and try to make those extrapolations. Um, and we the, the neatest thing to me is that it's not always into the future or into the past. We get to decide which direction we're jumping. So if we roll 500 years, we can say, is it more interesting to move 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past of this place? Um, and now the ground itself is really designed to, like I said in the beginning, focus on one central place. And and the the loose setup that I kind of want to do here, as, as far as I have so far, is talking about what that kind of place is. Um, and I've described it a little bit as kind of like a supercontinent, right? Um, I like the idea that Ding first like the idea. Uh, get ready for a lot more of that. Uh, I, I like the idea that the the world used to be. It's like a reverse Pangea. The world used to be separated into continents, but through some great calamity, experienced a condensing, a compression. So now there's just this one big continent, and that's kind of the place we're going to focus on. It's definitely a wider scope than I think maybe the game is intended for, but we'll make it work. And so we're going to start by establishing some facts about the place through some setup, uh, which uh, is going to be our first kind of cycle of gameplay. And then we will go through four cycles where we answer some prompts 
Uh, and if we ever draw a certain card, which is the number 10, uh, I should mention this is using a deck of 52 cards, uh, standard set of cards. If we ever draw 10, that is when we move forward in time. So let's begin. This is uh, the section called Establishing Our Place. Each player is dealt cards from the face card stack. Uh, before the game started, we separated the cards into faces and uh, numbers. So each player is dealt cards from the face card stack in a circle until no cards are left. Um, then going in the same circle, each player sets down one card at a time and answers the question associated with that card detailed below. They may read the questions first or pick between their cards at random. Um, keep going until the world feels established or each player is out of cards, whichever happens first. Try to keep this discussion under 25 minutes. Keep your answers uh, to each question very short. You may wish to make brief notes to jog your memories later. Uh, would anybody like to start? Absolutely, because I think it's interesting when I don't know what I'm putting myself into, right? Okay, so you had the... Uh, Jack of uh, Diamonds. Jack of Diamonds. All right, fantastic. This is a, this is a great start. What is this place named or called? Who named it and for what reason? And we're talking about uh, the place as a whole, right? The supercontinent, yes. The supercontinent, not the world. No, Pangea okay. itself, Got it, so, so the supercontinent, what's something that's very interesting? And what's interesting here is it's not like the name stays, but there's certainly, I like that, If depending on how far we jump, right? It mm -hmm. can certainly be something that's referenced. Um Something that immediately pops out to me, and I kind of want some input here. Uh, I had literally been thinking about this before I had put that card down. Same. Um, Kazrazim stuck out to me very strongly um, as K-H-A-Z-A, -A, uh, and then Z-R-A-Z-I-M, Kazrazim. I like that a lot. And it's very rare that we get a name on the first try. Yeah. Um, so I, that's that's tight. So I'll put that down. Uh, I love Kazrazim. Who named it? Uh, I think uh, it was a um, group of nomadic people um, that have, have our like, and we don't have to define them, but I, I will leave it at that. A group of nomadic people that have named uh, the area that they're from uh, Kazrazim. Uh, and I think I, I will pass it to you guys. Why do you think they chose that name? I think what it is is um, Kazrazim is uh, in the parlance of these people, meaning the home of the Kazrari, which is the kind of people, the the race of people. Uh, we could maybe shorten it to just Kazari. Um, no, it's Kazrazi. That's way cool. Kazrazi. Okay, cool. Uh, the Kazrazi who. Um, for one reason or another, and we can pin this down later, survived whatever calamity happened, right? So, like, these people that came together and and persevered and, and built a society within this this newly formed um, supercontinent were the Khazrazi, and this place is, is, you know, it's almost like a... In Nordic culture, right? They yeah. have like Hom is or, or Helm or Heim. Heim, that's what Here's it is. Here's a cool question that I want to ask, just so I establish a premise. Are we going? Are we telling the story of that uh, terrible thing that happened, or are we telling the uh, post of that? I'm totally fine with either one. I just want to know so we're all in the same. That, page. Yeah, that was going to be my question. That's too, a good question. Honesty. So the campaign that we are playing in, in Dungeon I know that's World post. Is certainly post. Right now, we can make that decision ourselves. Right, because um, when you said that, I had even wondered if like are the Khazrazim are survivors or the 
starters of this thing, right? Is certainly an interesting story that we can tell, especially because this system has a tendency to jump. Something else I like, though, is that maybe that is part of the organic way of drawing those cards, right? Mm. You know, and seeing what happens. But I just want to know if we're open to either one. That's a, Yes, certainly. I think this game demands that you be open to be flexible with the timeline and understand that those things are going to shift and, and your interest and focus is going to shift. Um, Javen, actually, you can do me a favor here. Roll me 2d6. Because at the beginning of the game, we're going to know ahead of time what our first jump is going to be, um, which is very helpful. You got it. Oh, that is good. That is a six and a four. Okay. So uh, because we rolled them at the same time, we can uh, talk about what sounds more interesting to us. A four is decades and a six is millennia. So either we're jumping 4,000 years or we're jumping Six decades, so sixty years or four thousand. Which would you prefer? Here's an interesting with thing, no right? context at uh, all. Which well, would you here's prefer? a cool thing, right? Do we want to tell this like a very fast preluding story of like the start of this place, and then we cut into the meat for the next three like cycles, or is it the opposite? Do we want to spend upwards of two cycles? on just the setup for this place. There is something interesting about us trying to get as much history in with, as a single cycle, right, of this place. And then what I like about saying that it's the that 4,000 years, we can paint, we now know, I think all of us can agree if it's 4,000 years, we're working towards that calamity and trying to paint that picture, right? Yes, that's certainly true. Um, okay, so yeah, well, that's very interesting then. I, I want to say I'm honestly more partial to looking further out which would be the 4000 years. Right. I think that I think that gives a great story of oh you're either telling a story from 4000 years long into the future or 4000 years far into the past. Either right. way, I like the idea of an ancient past. Right. And something that's interesting about this game that you had mentioned to me that I hadn't considered and we can take this into account these time jumps it's important are not forward. They're not they don't have to be forward. They can be backwards, which is super neat to think about if we also want to set up uh, the post world first, and then we jump four thousand years back to talk about how it happened. Right? So here's yeah, right. Here's here's what I will say. I think that for now we can defer. Right? Right. We know that we can jump four thousand years forward or back. Let's keep establishing things mm-hmm. about and where see how we feel. and see how we feel. Yeah. Once once we've gotten there. Okay. Um. So yeah, I will go next. I think. Cool. Um, Hell yeah. So yeah, we have established at least um that. What is now or once was uh, this place um, is uh, Khazrazim, and it was named by its people. Um, the The exact relevance of that is going to be determined over time. Um, so I will flip my first card, which is the Queen of Clubs. All right. <laughs> what is the greatest moment in this place's history? An innovation, a, re- a discovery, a revolution, a mere, a new sapling, the emergence of a cycle of cicadas. So, you know, from mundane to, to great, what is the greatest moment in this in this uh, place's history? We know this. Right. It is whatever calamity it was, right? And so let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, I, had, <laughs> I brought this idea to Nick. Um, if anybody listening to this hasn't or has, um, if you have, you will understand this reference. And if you haven't, you need to listen to Friends at the Table so you can understand this reference. Um, when I came to Nick, I pitched this idea as, um, this is my most Austin Walker-ass sentence I'm about to say. Um, Austin Walker is the GM for Friends at the Table uh, who do just amazing work and, and are integral to the types of stories that we tell in terms of inspiration. Um, <laughs> what if the sky left? 
Right. Right? What if the sky used to be different here? Like, there are no stars in this place. Or there are too many stars. Something, right? Some some layered, like, layer cake of a world that the top layer or some layer of it has abandoned the middle layer, uh, which is where Khazrazim is. Um, and so that calamity is is sort of what um, is sort of the fulcrum of this entire story. Uh, and so, yeah, we don't have to define it super hard right this moment. Um, but I know that because this is a, a low to no magic campaign, the idea, the loose idea was that the, you know, tale as old as time, the ambitions of man, uh, man in the, the very general sense, there are all kinds of races and people here, the, uh, the races of humanity, um, grew too great in their hubris mm -hmm. and uh, their their pursuit of magic and maybe reaching further than their humanity caused some great devastation. Um, do we have any ideas for what, what form that took? I have some plans, but I think, I, I don't know how I feel about taking away from the human humanity uh, part to play, right? Because my mind immediately when I thought of this calamity um, I think humans played a role, or I should say, mortals played a role. In mortals this, uh, is a good way yeah. to put that. Because uh, we don't, in this like, world, yeah. yeah. Humans are the evil ones here. Right. That's, all, that's also an interesting take on it, is like, you could view humans as, they were the main proprietors to this alleged calamity that could have, that very well could have happened. Right, for sure. That's definitely a route to go about these things. But what comes to mind for me is almost like, it, it's an interesting thing for me to imagine that this is something that the deities did, uh, whatever deities that were, and maybe in their greed, in their manipulating of mortal kind, this thing happened that killed all of them. And the sky going away is them no longer being there to sustain it, right? Mm, like no. the literal, like when you look at the stars, like I'm imagining this history post this, uh, us talking about it is just like when you look at the sky and see all of those stars, those are a god of something, the wind, the grass, the air around us, and now they're gone. Oh, man. I do have to say that has a very poetic ring to it. I certainly love the visual of a trillion billion stars in the sky more than no stars in the sky, yes. right? As a, as a way to, like, define this world. Um, so, like, man, it's like the stars are the dust of gods that have been, you know, um, that, like, willingly committed mass suicide, so to speak. Or not necessarily suicide, but departed. Yeah. The gods left. They, um, I think it is literally like the idea of them like, oh, I give up my sentience and I burn to provide now, right? right. That's what a god does when it turns into a star. And whatever happened, and I wonder if it is the sense of like, did it either consume all of that energy to stop it from being worse than it is? And now there is no leftover vestiges of the gods, right? Yes. And like, that's super cool to me. And I even wonder, like, there's something so cool we can do about like, there are still like three stars up there. But no one communes with them. We don't know what they represent. There's so many that they used to that people have forgotten. Oh, I do man. like that. Uh, one thing that I would honestly prefer, though, uh, well, not necessarily prefer, is if it could be four and just say that is the north, east, south, and west. Is the oh, point, like, that's good. Yes, that is. Javen, you picked up exactly where I was going to go, which is like there are four distinct gaps in the sky where there are no stars and like that is reminiscent of there is something there mm -hmm. but we cannot commune with it we cannot interact with it mm -hmm. and that sort of like it's that ambiguity that kind of can drive people crazy yeah. right because this is this is a world that has been 
functionally abandoned by its gods. Right. Um, and, and left in a calamitous wake. And like, I love, because I described this, um, very ambiguously to Javen and Nick as like a world in three layers where one layer, the middle one is perversely affected by something with the top two or like the, the, um, intervening one and two bottom, top and bottom. And what this is, if we describe this as, as gods departing is, you know, the sky explodes in this burst of light forever changing that. Um, and the gods of the earth and below, I mean, they are the reason for this sundering, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when the God of the sea departs, great tidal waves happen when the God of the earth, um, you know, rips itself from the planet. Yeah. That is what sunders the earth and brings this continent, you know, pushing Bro, together. Oh, that is I what the four is, right? That. The four stars are literally like, I wonder if, it, again, this is me going far too far into the fiction as we do, but they are anchor points of like, this is like, there are spots that exist on these continents. Like this is where the star is anchored to. And like, that's what holds these, like this used to be four separate bodies of land right. that the stars were told, like I, the God of earth am leaving I will not protect this. And one, those four stars gathered and like, we have to do something to like protect this from going wrong. And I wonder if even like, it doesn't have to come from a place of good. Cause we can certainly paint these deities however we like, but there's something so powerful about like, cause we're looking at stars that are far, far apart. Right. Not only can we not, uh, talk to these, uh, deities that exist there. Now they're so far from each other that they don't communicate with each other. I have, a name for these, mm-hmm. uh, which is the absent coordinates oh, or something or something like coordinate in absentia. That's which good. Is, which is literally like, yeah, we don't know why or how or who. Well, what if kept one has its own title? We could definitely get there. I, right. I think. That, okay. My bad. No, but you, what you were saying, I, uh, my bad. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, you're totally fine. Uh, what I want to, what I want to say is I think that the, we the the generators of this world yes can absolutely discuss that and i think that that is something that we can nail down like what these things actually are Mm -hmm. the people atop this world the people that are in it have no clue and they're going to ascribe them things that are probably wrong right or like at the very least they are going to assign them into one group even if that is erroneous because they are related in their ambiguousness Mm -hmm. right like all we know is that there are these four gaps in the sky that are really weird um, and, you know, coordinate with, um, you know, points of, of geography that, that you know, are on the, like, northwest, northeast, southwest, southeast points of the continent, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is certainly going to be myths about, you know, the, the, the anchor points holding us together and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, that's powerful. I like that a lot. Um, there is one thing I do want to touch upon, what, but like, before we get too far into it, because I do love this idea. But Nick, I know that you keep describing it as a starless sky with four seeming points of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, what's called of stars, and then you keep describing it as a star-filled sky with four mm-hmm. empty points. Do you want to try to describe what exactly it is there, or because yeah, so I either think one. I, I'm just curious because I know you said you don't really vibe with the idea of a starless sky. I did listen to that point. Yes. Um, is it just the the absence of light in a night sky, or is it specifically the lack of stars? Yes. So I I had missed that miscommunication, so I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. I, I think personally, from an aesthetic point of view, we're maximalists, right? Right. Um, and even though we are telling a minimal campaign, like a minimal kind of grounded we story. We get there through maximalists. Right. Ideas. Exactly. I, I love this cold, harsh world with this gorgeous sky, right? Like, 
at night, like the oh, maybe the nights are like preternaturally long here. Like I, maybe... I was gonna say, here's an interesting thought that I had. I don't think there's a sun here. I and think that, that was the one sky... thing I was actually gonna bring up too. Yeah. When you guys talked about like oh, the uh, the god of the sea and the god of light or anything like that, you could say is there's literally no moon or sun here, as those would literally be uh, oh, two gods. It's disappearing. just it's just the burning light of the stars representing those gods departure yeah like the the man the the world this is so ominous too the world is lit by the dying embers of gods yes right like and those embers will die out and i think i would love the idea of like the passing of time is marked by like Something similar like the Aurora Borealis that happens every I few I was seasons. just going to ask that, especially and like, when you brought up the idea of embers, is what if there's an Aurora Borealis resembling the uh, the smoke, the dying ashes, or the dying smoke right. of the Time gods. is measured by this like weird light that moves across the sky, mm. um, and like that isn't defined yet. I, I wonder if like it's that, and it's this ominous thing where this light makes its trek across like this this shifting something, right? Mm-hmm. Makes its way across the sky, and the stars grow dimmer. Yes. And it's like imperceptible, right? Like it's like it's it's in the same way that when you have a birthday, mm-hmm. you don't feel older, right? Right. One year has gone by, it's imperceptible. But suddenly you look back and it's been five years and like, oh wow, I was so dumb five years ago. And then oh, ten years ago viewers crying right now. <laughs> ten years ago I was an entirely different person. It's like you look at the sky, like, oh yeah, the you know, the ambiguous shadow thing happened. Um there's another year gone by. Right. Uh, but it's like twenty years later, like, oh, it's darker here. Like it's darker here now, or like it's maybe markedly darker here. Yeah, and like it is getting darker. The dark is coming. That's so good. We're so are we going to go with the stars dying out then? Yes. So okay. we have settled so, on yeah. I think Star lots of stars sky. in the sky. Yeah. I think we're not going to end on a lot of stars in the sky. Okay, that, that that's fine. That's I just wanted to make sure we we established and that so before those, it became a yes uh, before you because it was a little bigger later. Yes. So the coordinate substantia then are going to be like these empty spots in the sky, right? These four spots that just are starless. Yeah. That's and, super cool to me too. Yeah. And I almost want it to be like more than just not there. Like they're so not being stars. Here's there. an interesting thing, right? That's where that's the source of that weird shadow energy that like waves across the sky. Mm. It's those like, I love it being uh, like when we see the night sky, right? You see like, we see blue, right? That's what we imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it being like these darker points that like, I don't think these people have telescopes yet, but if they did, what they would see is like, there is something like so imperceptibly moving within a shadow. Uh, and then what what it is is like when they see that movement, like there's a pulse and that is what that like pulse across the sky is that imperceptible movement that travels like from each of those four points outward and like covers like dims the sky. Yeah, I was going to say like what the way that it happens is that, yeah, there is this like I like the idea maybe that it's less that there is not stars, but there is an, a total absence of light. It is this like I've described this a couple times over the, in the podcast, which is kind of funny, but it's like that visual aura thing. Like mm-hmm. you look at a thing and it's not that you can't see. It's just there is nothing there. It's yes. like this weird and it's it's ironic, right? Because there's this sort of void, but that represents a presence rather than a lack of presence, which is a very cool kind of dichotomy. And like over the course of the year or like when this this event triggers 
um, that void kind of wisps out yeah. from each of those points and meets at a central point in the sky and extends over the earth. Um, and it's this very, it's almost like a, a lunar eclipse. Oh, dude, right? what, you described something really cool to me of like a seeing, like if you were able to see further and like really strain yourself, there is like a string of that energy reaching that's how they measure time now right? right if you pay attention really hard you can see from these four points that there is something going to like touch and when they touch that causes the pulse right and that's that's the end of the year or yeah the end of the that's the... how they mark the end of the year and not just that what is so cool to me that you described of like this being like i love that in like in the way that this world works right we look up when you are in let's say the eastern quadrant right and you look up you say like oh these are the stars here right what if when you are on the far west one and you look over there because of perspective, you can see stars that they can't because you are seeing their coordinate and substantia from a different angle. Right. And like they have like three or five stars that you don't have marked on your maps mm. because they can see behind whatever that empty spot is. That would be interesting. So there'd be essentially four different maps going on. Essentially, it gives these like it hints at these having an actual location in space. Right. Because you can move around them and see past them, right? In the same way that, like, when you look past, like, a condensed piece of glass, the warp, like, the image warps around it. Right. That is what you see when you are moving in a certain way and paying attention. Uh, but I, I, more than anything, I like the way the passing of the years. Like, if you are like, oh, yeah, we have some, like, maybe we have some seers who can see that and mm -hmm. when, how, like, how close we are to the end of the year. Mm -hmm. One other question that I would have would be, so would this dispersion from all four points go off at the same time or maybe like two at a time, the ones facing directly across from each other as that pulse that's left off basically travels to the other ones for the next year? I didn't even consider that, right? There is something interesting about like, oh yeah, sometimes it is uh, two of these things reaching towards one each other across the sky. Sometimes it's three of them and rarely it's all four of them reaching across the sky, touching and having that wave happen. Mm. And what is that? Represent? And it could be like, maybe the four have only ever happened one time and this was basically one massive collateral event. It doesn't have to be this one, the one right. that's caused, the one that basically caused this, but it could be like when all four of them do it, it's, not necessarily a doomsday, but it's something to be wary of. I even like the idea of like, oh, you know, um, the more of them that touch towards like throughout the year, the more of them that reach and touch, like it's a mark of a good year. It's going to be a good year that year. Mm. Right. It's like, oh, all four of them touch. That's bountiful year. Sure. Like I, that's I, I'm fine super, with that like, too. There's something, there's something interesting of like it speaking to, um, oh, we were just watching Demon Slayer. Right. And in Demon Slayer, they touch on the Japanese tracking of time. Mm -hmm. And there are eras and periods. Yes. And years, right? And so I like the idea that, like, these are measured in years and eras and periods, right? So, like, the first one reaching out and touching the center, that's a year. The second one reaching out and touching the center, that's another year. And when they fully touch and expand, that is an age gone. Yes. Right? That's, this, we're in a new era now. Yes. When, when, the, when the coordinates absentia reset, that is a new era. We are in a new age that's um, so cool and and one step closer uh to the edge now i'm about to break um okay we need to move on anyway so for that question too what's the name of the event that happened because that was the question <laughs> no the question was just what was the greatest moment right so what was it because we didn't i don't we, we went on a lot of things duck calamity duck uh, calamity got it yeah. i'm writing that down uh okay javen. javen it's your turn now i will have the jack of bones which i believe is spades yes uh, what are the threats to this place? Are these threats the materiality of the place or the people that live in it? Great question. Um, again, it goes to the point where, because uh, I personally like the idea of, and it's honestly just me viewing humans as in this natural world as a chaotic force, mm -hmm. but it could be a matter of uh, 
something here being chaotic. It could be, let's say, the ashes or things that it could have evolved because of a lack of godly presence. Something else could be here that causes a more form of danger, or maybe the environment itself is unstable due to the fact that there are no gods here anymore. I have a name that I'm stealing from one of Dan's campaigns for what these threats are called, because I love what you just said. They're the remnant ashes, right? The remnant ashes fell onto whatever this was and are like doing something and a threat here. The moment you said ashes, and then I was like, oh, the remnant ashes. And it's funny because I was literally, as he was talking, I was thinking about weather events mm -hmm. that are like like a, an ashen rain. That yes. is this like beautiful thing to behold, but terrifying to be in, right? Like it is literally star fire raining from the sky. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, the what happened? Oh, man. Oh, man. So yeah, we could say that there are these storms, right? Um, of this starfire raining from the sky. And what this is, is essentially the Breath of the Wild blood moon resetting the enemies, so to speak. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. There are these, um, there are these, yeah, the remnant ashes are both a material, they're, they're both a problem to the materiality of the world and to its people, right? Like these ashes, oh man, this, this speaks to the danger of the world that we were kind of trying to establish while Nick and I were kind of talking about the, the big picture of the world is like, we know this is a dangerous place, but without magic and like weird monsters, so to speak, like what is that danger other than other people? And like, is it weather? Is it some combination of people and weather? Are there weird monsters? These are some weird fucking monsters. Yes. But that's such an, that's such an interesting thing is because these things would be considered as natural disasters. It's yes. an actual phenomenon. Like you, there's not really going to be a fighting it necessarily. It's just a living through it. Can I say something really cool that I, I, I really want this to I be? I love it when you say Listen, cool we keep saying, like, I, I love the idea of, like, a star firestorm. I do not think these are natural disasters. I think they are sentient. And, like, they describe these as bodies that have intentions. And, like, oh, we have to appease the remnant ash storm. Well, what I was going to say is sort of similar to that, but more in, more in parts where Ooh, okay. the storm happens... And the stars, the, the remnant ashes fall, and it's when they interact with our world, when they touch the soil, that weird things happen. Yeah. Right? So, like, where the remnant ashes... <clears throat> excuse me. Where the remnant ashes fall change how they manifest. Right? So, like, oh, if, if, if a remnant ash falls in the ocean, there might be a terrifying sentient tsunami. Mm. Right? If, if one falls into a desert... Maybe there is um, a, a wandering windstorm um, that is always screaming in a weirdly human voice. Right? Yeah. These sorts of large scale, um, and depending on the size of the ash that falls, right, this, is, this determines the scale of the thing. So, like, we might fight these weird little shadow creatures. We might fight these weird little, like, tree ants that, like, you know, an ash fell onto a tree and took it over. Now this tree is alive. Man, like, I had the coolest video game moment of, like, going into the center of that storm and, like, finding a way to, quote-unquote, beat it. And, like, just seeing this, like, brown storm, like, burst into just ash that is burnt out and hits the ground. Yeah. And, like, bleeds into the earth from there. So we've described these we've described these as remnant ashes and we've uh, we've established the stars themselves are the ashes of the gods. So would each dying star resemble a uh, falling ash? 
I think right, like it, it, I don't know because we've draw. already said that as the as the story goes on, as the campaign goes on, we're eventually gonna get to the point where we have a dark sky, right? right? The, the changing of the year, whatever this is, we know is connected to like these ashes happening, right? I would say like vice versa to what you said. The ashes resemble the stars, right? So like, or or they are directly interconnected. Like I think what you're getting at is like our stars literally falling from the sky. Yes, that's and essentially what, what the I'm answer. I think would be yes. Yes, I think people don't know that necessarily because it's so imperceptible. Right. Like, we talked about the the large scale of this, but like, yes, whatever happens in the sky from the coordinates in absentia is causing these stars to fall, mm-hmm. and like more calamitous things are happening. Here's and like, something really cool too that I keep have I had an idea for. You had mentioned like depending on where it falls, things like the way the remnant actually reacts to where it falls changes, right? Mm-hmm. I have a very strong feeling towards like not only does it change on what what it hits, it changes on which of the quadrants it lands in, right? Those those coordinates in substantia have absentia. some yeah absentia have influence over what these things do in mm-hmm. a way that is maybe not like a deity knowingly doing it, but maybe there are characteristics, right? I love the idea that like, oh, in the East, these things are more mechanical in nature. Like when it turns, it has this like mechanical nature of it. Mm. When it lands in the the West, it has this ethereal ghostly nature Dude, of it. That's such a good idea. And especially because if we've talked about this dividing of periods and eras and ages, like how fucking awful is the remnant ash storm when all four coordinates touch. Yes. Right? All of them happen at once and blend into something. Like, surviving the the the, the, the turning of an age um, is, like, a huge thing. Mm. Like, I, I, I would imagine, like, older people being like, yeah, I've survived three ages. And it's like, whoa, that's nuts. I don't like, know why, but so I much. picture that kind of like a gut scene from Berserker. Basically, mm. that, that hell scene where he had to... Oh. You see everyone fighting them, and that could be the, the you know the ashes, in a sense. Man. It doesn't dude. have to be that. I'm just saying, for whatever reason, that's the image that I'm getting What if like, the head. most terrifying is thing for... doing that? Mm. The, the, Kazrazi, the Kazrazi, the most terrifying thing is like when they see the remnant ashes approaching like a border, right? And when two places are mean, that is when the remnant ashes have the most like violent reaction. Right. And it is like, that is why it is like, oh, whenever this storm touches like where all four of these points, when it hits, what like, we have to name that touching point that is underneath where these four things touch. When it reaches that, we cannot let it reach that because we our records indicate that that was a very calamitous time when that happened last. Right. Yeah, that's very good. I'd like to call it the eye of the storm, the the center the point in between on the nose. The I'd like to flavor that a little bit um, further away from something so on the nose, just because I don't want it is more so that I don't want to ascribe the characteristic of the world as a storm, right? That's or, fair. Yeah. Or just further from a phrase that we use in our world, right? right? Like Kazrazi is very much something I don't see enough. Right. Yeah. Here. Right. And I, I think something that we could do is just calling it the eye. That's good. Um, which is something that is very interesting because like literally when these wisps form and touch, it could literally look like an iris and mm. the like reds of a sclera, you know, touching, uh, which is, is very interesting. Man, what if that's something that happens, right? It's like there are scholars who swear up and down, like when these four points touch, I can see eyes. It is just a split moment, mm. but I see eyes and then the pulse happens and I miss it. I blinked and I have to now wait 20 years before I can try and see if that was real <laughs> or a fucking fever Oh dream. man, and it's not even like, it's not even measurable these ages. Like yeah. scholars have tried to measure the length of time and it's always frustratingly different. Yes. Um, and like, 
sometimes ages are accelerated. Sometimes ages are super drawn out. Like, yeah, time like, isn't super consistent like, here. Like, I like the idea that, like, we talked about that sandstorm, right? And you gave me that video game moment of ash spreading. Mm-hmm. I love the idea that this desert was once a, a normal desert, right? That was whipped up by the storm. And when the ashes spread, it is now called the black sand. Oh, that's the eye, right? The right. eye is surrounded in that black sand. Oh, man. And, like... And like that age, you could say like it was the age of black sand, and like the age, oh, of, I love the age of black sand lasted three hundred years, right? Like this super long age for some reason, right? And then maybe the age of, um, you know, the age of the dying tree lasted ten years, right? Like why are why is there this huge yeah. gap? Right? Here's an interesting thing that I wonder. Like I totally think like because I love the age of black ash, right? Yeah, I wonder if the preceding ones were like. The age of ash, the age of embers, the age of fire. Like, because that's very evocative of like, I love the feeling of like, oh, the age of fire embers already happened. The last one was the age of ash. What's after ash is like, now it has turned to this strange black ash. It evokes that feeling of a dying world. Or black sand. yeah, Black sand. Yeah. This age of black sand. It's it's so evocative to me of like, you know, we're dying. Why, why do we keep naming it these things? We should not name it these things because it's making people. Well, here's you the, know, as a society, it's making them pretty uncomfortable with <laughs> time progressing. Um, but I, I love the age of like the standing tree, you know, uh, and like that can be something, right? What if one of some one of these calamities in the past was that a giant tree appeared in the center, right? Well, yeah, because see, that was my question too. It's because um. We already were kind of discussing the idea of that. Some people describe that, oh, when each of these uh, basically pulses from the orbs come off and there's more of them or multiple of them touching, it's supposed to resemble something good right. idea. So what if it's more of like, so what if it's more like um, kind of like for every action, there's an opposite reaction or an equal opposite reaction. So what if something good comes before the storm or at least after the storm? Oh, that's really vice, cool. Vice versa. Yeah. The storm comes, you survive. The beginning of a new age is always bountiful and amazing to live in right like right defeating these things and spreading those ashes it's no longer violently reacting it's good for the world to take in these ashes nourishes yeah Yeah. oh man okay so the first literally i wonder if there's a saying here that like i am lucky to have only like this era took 90 years to mean that means for 40 years my the last 40 years of my life were bliss and I didn't have to live through the uh, the other 40 that were fucking awful. Yeah, and you can have this, like, division of, like, people. It's like, you know, um, like, adults saying to children, like, you haven't lived through the turning of an age. Like, Bro, <laughs> I love that Not one. just that. You just hit me with something so amazing. Imagine how scary it is to know that, like, oh, these things come in waves, right? But then you're sitting there, it's like, well, how long have we been in a good age? It's like, oh, 200 years. And, like, you're sitting there, it's like... When does that stop and we have to deal with 200 years of bad? Well, and yeah, and knowing that like, oh, we don't know. Like, yeah. There have been ages that have lasted a thousand years. There have been ages that have lasted five. Yeah. Like, it, we, the stars are mysterious. You know? Oh. We, we, we do not know the The, the sky borders. provides. Yeah. The sky, the sky provides and takes as it needs. Oh. You know? We know not the motives of the stars. Um, you don't question the remnants. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. All right. I love I'm, how it's I, like. Okay. I'm really happy you guys you guys took on that one because that was one thing I was I was I had in my head going on. Oh, so I'm really happy. Me you and Dan will find a way to run with something that we're given. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so speaking of running, I love the idea that it's like spend no more than 25 minutes on this section. It's like I was gonna say. I think these three from here we probably gotta just like <laughs> we should just small just start. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
yes. And in fact, I think we have established this place, right? I don't know that we need more. Um, do, do, I mean, look, I want to make more. To it's jump a problem. From. I'm fine making more. Uh, well, here's the thing, because these. we are going to make a lot more. They, I mean, these are these are prompts to get the basic idea of our world set up. We have <laughs> this the, is four thousand years in the past, guys. We have the name of this place. Mm-hmm. We have what its greatest calamity is. We have what its problem is. Um, I would say, Nick, look at your card and tell me what it is. And if it's an interesting question, we'll run with it. I have the Queen of uh, Clubs, I believe is what this is. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a good one. Hell yeah. Yes. This is the last thing we're going to establish. Yeah, I win. I win at the game. (laughs) I won. I won at the ground itself. Dan picked me. Um, What was this place in the past? Fuck me. How long ago was that? (laughs) So what was Kazra's Okay, by the way. Before it was caused regime, what was what were uh, we had established already? Yeah, that there were four continents, right? What were those places? Who were those people, right? Like that's the question I think ultimately. A beautiful utopian society. Hell no. Right. <laughs> I want to tell. I don't listen. This is me, and I totally I don't mean that. Don't take that seriously. Of like hell no. I don't. We can totally have a utopia that was destroyed by means that weren't even its fault. That's interesting. Um, well, I mean. I think even a utopia, um, this is pulling heavily from Critical Role, um, you know, Exandria, the Age of Arcanum, it's their hubris. Things Mm. have been good for so long. What could go wrong? Let's let's pull, you know, the energy from the sky. Let's have a floating city. Let's, you know, um, terraform the earth to what we need. Like doing these crazy ambitious things that fly in the face of what might be conventionally understood um, as, you know, things you shouldn't do, crossing lines and like, that crossing of those lines by a like what is utopia right ultimately it would create ignorance Mm -hmm. ignorance of struggle and ignorance of boundary um because when there are no consequences when there are no issues that you are facing you don't experience problems for crossing these boundaries so like i definitely think it could be a utopian type of place that just stuck its craw out too far right. and got its head chopped off. And I like the idea that, because the gods had to have had a reason to leave for some reason or another. Why not uh, Why not it be like, oh, maybe these people stepped on the gods' toes for uh, too much. Something similar along those lines. But uh, And I think this is where I might be clashing my idea of something. And I want to run it past you guys. Give me your idea. Totally fine. This- I really like the idea that there was a utopia here. Um, and again... I almost wonder if this place was so well off on its own that the gods felt useless mm-hmm. and weren't like there was no need for them. Mm-hmm. And like whatever they did, whatever they incited caused this massive, awful thing to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. And again, I, there is something so tragic to me about like these four places were utopia and by they hadn't even gotten to the point where they were able to be ignorant yet, you know? It had they like this great amazing thing was being created, and the gods who were like, I guess we're not needed, did something that just t- crushed the Tower of Babylon. Right? Here's something that is similar in idea, but changes the agency. Yes. What if these people thought they didn't need gods? Oh, okay. What if the gods did not leave? They were banished. And that's what it was. That's what the oh, ceremony was. The that, banishing of the gods. And that is that we could call it like. Um, the the ascension of humanity. We don't need gods, right? Like we are as gods with this magic power that we have. And like through doing that, they got what they wanted. They banished most of the gods seemingly. And that is what tore the world asunder and crumbled society to ash, right? Like Man. this great overreaching of, like, cause I've always, I've always 
um, anchored it in like humanity's hubris, right? Like, look how fucking good we are. Like, we don't need, you know, like, I think like maybe there was um, like a sect of society that was like, no, you need to still pay honor to the gods. We still need to have these rituals. Like, no, 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 that's completely outdated. You know, like that's not, we don't have any need for that. Um, and so, yeah, that could be something very, very intense and interesting. Here's something interesting, right? Uh, I was like, th- when you're describing this, right? We, you, the culmination of a God or the highest point of existence, right? is called the apotheosis. The lowest point of existence, the, a- the absences of God is called the nadir. And what if that is the name of that like event, right? And the deer? It's called N N A yeah N A D I R and the deer, the lowest point fortunes of a person or organization. It is the antonym of apotheosis. Which is the highest. Yeah, you know, and uh, it is meant to yeah, literally it means the highest point, but in like the way we use it a lot of times, it references like uh, ascension to godhood right or just like it is it is the encapsulation of something also right like mm-hmm. i describe um in in role play in particular um trying to reach a character's apotheosis right mm-hmm. trying to the get a character to their to their signifying point where you feel like okay their story is done right reaching that signature point in their story um and so yeah the these people oh man yeah these people caused this great nadir um the great nadir dude yeah Ooh. Oh, dude, here's what I wonder. Mm -hmm. Continents reshaping does Mm -hmm. not happen overnight. Right. Right. Certainly in our world, it took millions of years. Uh, Don't fact check me on that. Okay. Uh, It took a (laughs) long time. (laughs) Um, We're in a magic world, fantasy world, et cetera. Things can definitely take shorter amounts of time. But what if the first age after the great Nadir, I like the idea that it's the great Nadir in the age of the long night where those stars in the sky they did not form right away. This world was shrouded in total darkness for millennia. And, and it was through that that people had to survive. Right. And like those surviving few tribes of people that ended up, you know, crossing these land bridges and, and sheltering together, they formed the Khazrazi, the Khazrazi, excuse me. Yes. And they named this place Khazrazim, the home of the Khazrazi, because they are the, I wonder if, I honestly wonder if Kazrazi is a word which means yeah. survive. I I even wonder if or what outlast if, or something. What if the like even more like on the nose right is like Kazrazi and whatever language we decide this place uses right means the remnants, mm. like the remnants of people, the remains or something. Yeah, the remains yeah. and like the cause. The reason it is called Kazrazi, they are the Kazrazi, the remnants of people. Kazrazim is just the remnants because it is also the remnants of the gods that are hitting the the whole place. Yeah, Kazrazim is, yeah, wow. Oh man, I wonder if in the past too, right? You say like a totally black sky, mm-hmm. and I like the idea that oh, we you know we used to have deities um, that we thought we didn't need. I wonder if there were sometimes lights in the skies, but it was more like when the gods were having an active hand in helping. That mm-hmm. would be like one, three, five stars at most, and like. Throughout centuries, you would see different parts of the sky where some stars would be and like then be empty and gone. And there would be like longer and longer periods of time where there were no stars, right? Mm -hmm. And I think you're right. The long night is when we didn't use stars for centuries. And like we stopped relying on the gods and thought we didn't need them. And whatever this horrific thing that we called upon ourselves, I I love the representation that a god using its energy, a deity using its energy is the stars lighting up 
the reason all of the stars are up is because whatever mortals did, whatever that Nadir was, mm-hmm. that the the Nadir they are protecting us currently from it, mm-hmm. and that is that expo- like all of those stars is a massive expulsion of energy. That is all of the gods doing. Like that's it. They're gone. They've used up all their energy, and that's used stopping whatever this is yeah or just that like we have we have exhausted them of their energy mm-hmm. right like yeah. cuz i i think yeah um that is interesting right like this idea of like a, a sort of comfortability with low light um that these people have and like you know oh yeah there's there's you know maybe not a ton of stars in the sky but there always is some form of light right mm-hmm. um and then like when the great nadir and the long night happens it is literally like the the darkest moonless night that you can imagine for so long right i wonder if when these places were separated i wonder if in the center of that body of water whatever excuse me it was a body of there was a city like of high magic that was like the culmination of these nations together Mm. and that big pusher of like we don't need the gods look at what we've made and part of that like bringing the continents together crushed that city into the fucking bottom of the ocean do you know (laughs) do you know what point in the sky that city definitely resided right under the center right where those things do you know what that city was called coordinate coordinate And so it is literally. I love. The, I love the visual of this place being sucked into the sky and oh, slammed into the yeah. ocean, and that that void sending out that pulse, right? Um, and those like what you see for a long period of time, like me, the long night is not something. This was not a light switch happening. This was a long and and drawn out pulling of a curtain. Coordinate engages in this profane ritual to banish gods. Um, and they succeed. And what we see is not an instant light switch flick of darkness, but coordinate being ripped into the sky and slammed into the ocean. And this slow pull of complete darkness etching out into where the coordinates in absentia will oh, eventually lie. Yeah. And that's the long night, right? Is, is that period of just the light slowly being entirely covered. Um, and, that curtain it's like if you picture a curtain being pulled from one end and uh following from the other it's like at one point it will cover the whole sky can i I shrink something a little bit you know you know not a way that is like making this a smaller thing but almost making it bigger by shrinking sure let me finish just yeah go for please my visualization is here and then absolutely please um yeah, so it's like pulling this curtain across the sky, and what we perceive as the curtain fully covering the sky was the long night that lasted, you know, hundreds, thousands of years, whatever. And then the revealing of those stars, that great reveal, is that other end of the curtain finally yeah. being pulled. Um, and, and that's like, we could call that like um, the age of revealing light or something like that. Ooh, the um, age of discovery, right? Sure. Um, if we want to be, if we want to be more on the nose, that definitely works. The age of guiding light. Yeah. Something like that. We will figure out some poignant name for it. Um, but yes, tell me your idea. I wonder, and like, this is so cool to me of imagining this, it kind of in narrow scope, but also because of the ethereal nature of how we're defining stars here. It doesn't, Mm -hmm. um, I love the idea that like, as the, like these bodies of land were pulled inwards, 
the fucking stars followed them and moved across the sky because they couldn't, whatever was happening, whatever that profane night was, they couldn't hold it with these four places separated. They needed them together so they could condense more. The stars shoved across the sky and got over this massive body, Khazrazim, and are now protecting it, right? Mm. And like, I wonder if like you go into the open ocean and go far enough, you look up and you don't see the stars because they're only over Khazrazim. Mm, that like, is interesting. And what, what I'm evoking the nature of is like when this thing happened, when you kill, um, ah, shit, uh, from Elden Ring, mm. the Star Eater, and the stars like start like, <sighs> like streaking across the skies right. and moving. That is what people saw during that age. And like as the land masses were getting pulled, so too were the stars pulling towards that direction, towards coordinate like condensing around where coordinate was and forming this imperceptible bubble that implies that there is a roof, but you can't reach those stars. Well, and here's the the interesting thing, right? Is like you are classifying this as a sort of protection, right? Mm-hmm. As a as a sheltering. I could define it as an imprisonment, a punishment. I'm trying. I'm because I'm telling it from the story of like. I can hear the mythos of like a, a soothsayer being like the gods when the us. gods rent the sky asunder and tore the stars from their rightful place in the sky and placed them above us in heavens as a protective wall against the dark. Yeah. And but like you're right. And I think, someone's like, but grandpa, the stars keep falling and killing my family. And right. It's like, it's you should be we're not good enough. Yeah. Be thankful they're not killing all of us. It's like, it's like okay, what they're sorry, doing, what, and that's what they do, right? They perverse it a little bit of like what they're doing is making us earn the bountiful season. Well, like speaking, if we want to carry through like video game anime shit, um, <laughs> this is Eldia being punished for their sins, right? Oh yes, like what the sins of coordinate are. Eat your damn Brussels sprouts. <laughs> the stars will fall. Exactly. Yeah, the stars will fall. The age will turn sooner than it should if you don't eat your vegetables. Oh my gosh. Um, that's a very great minimization of that. You know, on a very human scale. Um, but no, like yeah, the sins of of the the archmages in coordinate are what we are being punished for millennia in the future. And like yes. kids are like. I didn't have anything to do with that. It's like, it right. doesn't matter. But you, you didn't stop it. Your Jimmy. ancestors did. And we like the gods see centuries as we see seconds. Mm-hmm. Like imagine it like, like someone slapping you and it's like, aren't you mad at me? This is how the gods feel, right? Like the gods see centuries as we see seconds. Keep that in mind when you say that you had nothing yeah. to do with this. They are not punishing you. They are punishing mortals. Right that's very cool no i that's exactly what i wanted to evoke of like yeah i totally think this is a prison and like a a containment of this not a protection but i think for sure mortals as they do when they need something to believe in it's that there's one last thing i want to touch on before we get into the game proper Mm -hmm. which is very ironic wow we haven't even started the game no i like that (laughs) this is the setup we have not started (laughs) playing the game even a little bit so, so to speak in the main chunk of it um you had mentioned, Nick, that um, at the borders of these places where where the land masses joined mm-hmm. um, are where these remnant ashes can take on their foulest form. Yes. I, I love the idea that nobody lives near the borders. Yeah, for sure. Right? Everyone's in contained like central areas in these lands, right? Yes, they, and there are like huge fortifications that have been built, like Titan walls, right? Uh, wall, Maria, Wall, Rose, whatever, along these borders, right? Oh, I love It's that. so cool to imagine, too, because like... If you think about it, right, you imagine like, oh, what we do is we have one wall at the border, like that defends both sides. No, 
it's two walls with like a gap of five miles because they're protecting the shit that lands in the middle there. Yep. Right. And like, oh man, this is, I'm totally evoking images of like Game of Thrones. The worst position is that you have to go work at the wall. Yes. Like you, you work the wall. That is, I mean, we can literally steal whole cloth oh, from the Night's sure. Watch. You are sent out to the, like, if you're sent like to the punishment? outermost. Yes. If you're sent oh, to the I outermost. That. If you're sent to the outermost wall, you are a murderer, a rapist, yes. something terrible. If you are sent to one of the inner walls, you stole too many times. You, you know, coveted something, right? If you're. The actual campaign. Yeah. Oh, listen, they like, stay. please tell me these are solid on walls. The, listen, uh, no, I, I think know, we'll just, run into these. Yes. I know. I'm just. I would love for these to just be standing walls. Still, that sounds freaking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Me and that's Dan, the cool me thing. Me and Dan love history, like old history that doesn't interact with things, but like seeing these walls and like a nation that is like, yeah, we don't really remember why these walls are here, but they provide really good natural defense yeah. uh, against yeah, people. And like for us, we know it was oh. never for people. Dude, <laughs> there's like a city built atop the um, vestiges of one of the crumbled walls. Like that's the foundation. Like the cobblestone of the city is what once was a towering wall. I completely can see one of these cities is not only built on like the vestiges of a wall. There is like the body of some remnant titan that is like broken over the wall, and like inside of its body, there's a city that is built, and it looks more like uh, a mountain now, right? Uh, you're speaking my language. Stop. <laughs> okay. Like that's super cool to me. All right, <laughs> we got to start this game before I lose it. Okay, so sick, nasty, great. Now what we're going to do is proceed into the game proper. We are going to draw cards from the deck um, of the aces to tens. Um, there are prompts. Um, and the cool thing is that suits don't matter at all. Cool. Yeah, um, I remember that. We only care about numbers. So if he pulls a two of clubs, Javen, uh, we will read the first two, which is name a monument, marker, statue, or other physicalized memory. If he pulls the second two, if we see another two, it's what is produced in our place right now and how does it make its way into the wider world, et cetera. Um, and so there are there are always a maximum of four that something can come up because we are playing four cycles, basically. Okay, is this... Okay, this is for the history itself or... Is this, this is for the, the gameplay world? proper. This is this, so is, this is, us. is today's world now, present. Uh, this is whatever is going to be established before we jump 4,000 years. Got it. Okay. Cool. So we are going to, to start from whatever point we want kind of is what the way that I would like to do it. Um, we can assume that we will start in sort of the immediacy of like, you know, we will start in, in the age of the walls, right? You know, there are these great walls. We are in the age of black sand now or whatever. I still um, love that name. It's very good. Very strong. Um, and we will progress until we draw the number 10. When we draw the number 10, that is That's when we the jump. Age of it, right? oh, cool. That's when we jump. Yes, exactly. Um, and so I will tell you this you draw a card and there's a prompt. If you don't like the prompt, there are other things that we can do in place of answering the prompt, which are very good. And we will talk about those as they come up. So if anybody draws a card and I read you the prompt and you're like, I don't really have anything for that or it's not that inspiring a prompt for you and we don't want to spend time on it, we will do something else and it's very good. Okay, so one one more thing. Uh, is this a, is this like a by chance thing? Like you draw the card without yes. looking at it? Until we can end yes. up getting two prompts and draw a 10 and we're jumping. Okay, like, I just, absolutely. Yes, yeah. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, 10s are random. You can draw a 10 and then draw into a 10 again after we finish defining what the happens to this place after 4,000 years. Correct. This <laughs> it is, happened the next day. The idea is that we don't have all the time in the world, right? Right. We right. have to start our history. We have to start our present at some point. Um, okay. And so... Yeah, I just wanted to make sure with that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, it's important that, that you understand the rules and that the people listening do too as well. Um, so 
Uh, Javen, I'm actually going to have you draw the first card, um, and we will we will go from there. So, Nick, you got the last history question. Honestly. <laughs> Don't whine. All right. We started off with a seven, my lucky number. Seven. Okay, let me pull this up. Ooh, I like this. This is a great um, alternative thing. What is the most beautiful thing in or about our place? I, in Khazrazim, what is the most beautiful thing? So where exactly are we saying Khazrazim is? Is this towards the middle or is this under? Khazrazim is, is the, the whole, whole mass. mass. The whole mass. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would honestly like to say it's views. It's sense of when you look in either direction, there are still going to be natural beauties in the world like you know like we said before after every storm there's going to be a beautiful turning point i'd like to see that this that kazrazim is filled with those i love that vistas yes that okay i couldn't think of any words yeah for it, yes. that's a great that's a gr- i love and this again i'm pulling from demon slayer because i was just watching it the wisteria trees yeah the way that they glow purple like uh, or if we again want to pull from elden ring the um the erd tree yeah like that the, there are trees glowing in the distance of a natural light. There is like um, great waterfalls and and and. In all honesty, it could even be something as simple, uh, as simple as that black sand that we were talking about. The Arab black sand. The black sand can still sparkle. It could look like there's diamonds all throughout it. And Absolutely, it looks like its own night sky. Basically, it could be um, what a night sky was supposed to look like long uh, long before all of this happening. Oh man, and people would tell mythos of like this is the gods reminding us of what the sky used to be. Something yes. Yep. That's very strong. Okay, I love that, and that's quick and easy, and we can we can move past. Move past so go it. ahead and write that down. Uh, write, you know, um, most beautiful thing vistas, um, you know, natural beauty, which is a very interesting juxtaposition to the severeness. Listen, I totally think on the bod that body of whatever that Titan turns into is probably gorgeous to look at, and it's yeah. like almost imperceptibly a body until you like get in it and like you look up and like. Is that a ribcage? And, and <laughs> to the listeners at home, I want to gush for one brief moment here about this is why games like this that are so well designed by Everest Pipkin and friends like these is so important because I had a vision of this world that was so much more boring than what we have decided, what we have come to organically through play here. Um, I, I, I highly urge you, no matter what ideas you may have about the world you want to create for your campaign, take it to people that you trust, grab game systems that you trust and stretch and pull at those ideas. Challenge yourself because I promise you what will come from that is at least something interesting, right? Maybe it's not exactly what you would have thought originally, but it will be more interesting Um, on that note. I am on it now. I I bought it from drive through. (laughs) Oh, nice. You want to take your turn now? Uh, yes. Oh, and I, I will say, uh, as, as one final note, you can just tell me what the number is. It uh, is a nine of gears, which I believe is clubs. The, yeah, just the suits don't, suits don't matter. matter I, forgot about that. I forgot about that. Nine. Yeah, just nine. Okay. Uh, as one final note, I will say, and I'll probably edit this into the beginning of the podcast as well. Um, if you would like to buy the ground itself, uh, I will put a link to Everest's uh, itch.io page uh, in the description of the podcast. I highly recommend you go and support them. Um, the book itself, the physical book, um, I believe is $15 and is really beautiful. Um, it's very well put I together. As, that. It's as, a really nice book. As far as pamphlets go, the PDF, I think is only $5. Yes. Worth its weight in gold. Um, so let's continue. Uh, I can read that for you. Another plug. Let me read that to you as uh, someone who's getting asked a question now. Okay. What do the people here eat and drink? What is considered traditional here? 
And I, you know, you can totally hit me with that's boring, but we have certainly made food interesting in the past. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think that that is boring. I don't. Uh, I do have one thing for that. Uh, what if we say that these ashes are edible? Listen, we can start talking about. It. Uh, one thing I want to ask uh, from from here is like, this is definitely something we want to do of like creating ideas together. And I don't like that's awesome. I love that idea. But when he draws a card, I kind of want to hear his ideas and we guide from there. You're right. My bad. No, you're all good. Again, that you're enthusiasm to pitch that is awesome and that's the energy we want entirely and and definitely javen there is going to be a non-zero amount of times like you literally cut in right before i was about to say i don't really have a great idea like do mm. you guys have anything you want to okay. say yeah. and, and what you just said gave me an idea which is yes. fantastic this is the point of these games so Correct. no but apology necessary definitely has like table etiquette wait for like the moment that that inter- that invitation is given right okay um yes so the ashes themselves being edible maybe not but we had talked about the, how the remnants of these storms cause bountiful things to happen. Mm-hmm. I think this is highly agricultural. Yeah. I think I think that following an ash storm, um, there is unprecedented bloom, right? Of of a wide variety of plants. And I almost wonder if like people are beholden to these storms to provide like there is natural agriculture, but things just don't grow the same way outside of these storms, right? Yeah. Like, um, in the in the turning of an age, there is a long period where harvests are bountiful, but a, like one of the first signs of an age turning, like a, a new age turning over, is that the harvest starts to dwindle, mm-hmm. right? The ground starts to be less fertile. Um, things just don't grow quite the same. Um, maybe there's like a bioluminescence to a lot of things that just starts to dim, right? Oh, dude, I love that, right? Like, it is literally the vision of farmers. Like, like I wonder if it is almost like panning for gold that they, like, pan their soil and, like, they pull it out in a bottle and it is like, leave it in this box for a while and after a day, open it and that glow tells you how fertile your your soil is, right? right. And it is, like, the most nerve-wracking thing as a farmer to open that and see, like, it's dark. It's just, yeah, complete. The, the light is gone. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah, thing. Oh, we need a name for that that effect, right? Mm. And like, I definitely think that because of that, if I if we want to take it further, it's not just that these people are not short sighted, right? Right, for sure, they cannot be. Um, And so, what it is is like during the period of harvest, there is always rationing, there is always stores, right? Mm -hmm. And and when I say stores, I don't mean like J Crew, I mean like a, a storage of these things, right? Um, a a a a um. (laughs) <laughs> a proverbial bug's life uh, pile at the that's, beginning that's of the exactly movie. You know what I mean? But we're not trying to feed the grasshoppers. We're trying to feed ourselves when the yeah. shit won't grow for a hundred years. Right? right. Like, Have you guys ever watched Prince of Egypt? Those, those large urns where they would throw all their grains into like these caches. Yeah. Basically. Yes. Damn. That's another thing then, right? It has to be um, agriculture that sustains for long periods of time. And it is strictly for the like unpredictable nature of like, oh, you know, we're going to start storing this food. It's like, but we don't know if we have to store this because it's going to be bountiful for 50 years or if it's going to be bountiful for 500 years. It's like we and like I like that fear of like, oh, we're storing meats. It's like it's been 10 years. You can't keep storing that meat. It's bad now. Well, do you know what it is? Is there is like delicacies. Mm-hmm. I think the, the the form of delicacies in this world is perishables. Yep. Right. Non-perishables are the like meat and potatoes, right? Or not even meat and potatoes, but like, um, you know, oatmeal, right? Like yep. 
like the lambda bread in in Lord of the Rings, right? Like I like the idea of this food that is almost tasteless. It is edible and it will sustain you, but it is not pleasant to eat. It doesn't make you feel great after you eat it, um, but it lasts forever. It yes. never perishes, Everyone's and it's called fiber shits. And it's called Everroot. Everroot oh. is good. It is this crunchy, unpleasant, maybe like pine-like taste, um, but it it provides you nutrients. Is it like the equivalent oh. of eating bark? Here's a cool question. In a sense, I, have. I don't mean like in in, in, uh, in taste, probably yes. right. Yeah, like eating grass or like like it's not quite so unpleasant. It is edible and it is stomachable. People aren't going to throw up from eating this, but like it is not a satisfying meal. Mm. You never feel better after eating it, but it provides you enough nutrients to survive. Every nation has a and large there's like store a shit of, ton of like different dishes for it that are never great but it is like i guess i want to eat it like a soup today yeah everroot stew is something that every child dreads eating right dude like eat your eat your vegetables or we'll all have everroot stew it's here's like, something i kind of want to ask just because this is me probably going over the top again but always i'm gonna pitch it hey go over the top and we can pull you down to a reasonable right. level that's the whole thing i wonder if this is like a plant they plant or if this is like something that the soil creates when plants have been planted in it, right? Like every plant produces ever root. Oh, it's like when you when you harvest a plant, you always have to trim the ever root from it. Yes. Oh, that's, and that's very what people, cool. That's why it's like that's why it's in so much like supply, right? Yes. Every plant they do makes ever root because it is like I wonder if when the seed is down there, you see images of like these roots coming from deep under and then c- providing sustenance. Right? So yeah. it's similar to like a weed then. A very much like this. the opposite of a weed, right? It takes in that glow, and that's just an interim name for now, right? But the glow, and then it provides that glow into whatever this like plant needs. Okay, I can get, I can get behind that one. I actually love the idea because like, I love that it's like again, like that idea of like you know, oh, the harvest was really good, and kids seeing like, oh shit, yeah, you know, we did potatoes, we did carrots, this is awesome, and your pant, your parents ship all of the fucking good plants away it's like well kids don't worry the bound ba- the the harvest was bountiful which means we have plenty of ever root this year yeah <laughs> man. yeah that's and that's a really interesting thing right it's like the perishables get sent to the rich mm-hmm. and to the nobles and and poor kids live on ever root right right and and live on like they live on ever root and um like rejected delicacies right like apples with bruises right potatoes with with you know some mold bananas that are particularly brown like here's another thing i kind of wanted to find because i there is something i want to avoid about like the uh, middle uh, european time middle ages Mm -hmm. of european times i think something that helps and why like there is not dissatisfaction among like the lower class or the middle class is because seasonings are very um provided like there those are another thing that don't ever perish. You know, mm. you can't say salt perishes. That's not real. And right. like that is decided it's like, oh, you guys eat everyone, but don't worry, you have salt, pepper, like paprika, like make it taste better. And like some people do, they find ways to make it taste better. But regardless, it is like, oh, a well-seasoned uh everroot is nowhere near as good as a bland potato soup. Right? Right. Like a kid who grew up eating the variety of everroot dishes goes to one of the inner kingdoms or something and has like a steak dinner yeah and it's like it blows their brain out of their ears like holy fucking shit like the greatest analogy i can think of from personal experience is uh i was talking to javid about this the other day i've been drinking bubbly you yeah. know um and like Lacroix for long periods of time um a few months ago a friend handed me a seven up 
and I took a drink and it was like battery acid going down my throat <laughs> because I got so used to the minimal taste yeah. of of these seltzers um these but these uh sparkling waters that the the maximalism and 70,000 grams of sugar ripped my taste buds apart and like there's a common thing where if you stop eating candy if you try to eat candy after a while it tastes like too much yeah um and so like there's there's that okay yes let's take that and and move on from it because that was a simple question that was so long on food welcome to the game brother we we have cool ideas that's who we are well and and that sort of thing like this is what i love right is that this sort of world building the the, uh, the frustrating thing about a lot of world building is you come up with a lot of really cool ideas and you can relate to this as someone who's run campaigns javen it doesn't really come up in the campaign it's not super right. relevant super cool that the gods were banished like that's going to be mentioned in passing right like people really are it's not that relevant to people's daily lives whereas like when we characterize a scene now and Nick says to us in a scene, oh, yeah, they're eating steak and potatoes. It's like, oh, these are rich motherfuckers. Like, these are people that have sway here. Or it's like, oh, you know, they hand you a bowl of Everroots, too. It's like, okay, these are people of a lower class, of a middle class, you know. Like, that characterization is so strong and so necessary for world building, even if it isn't as flashy as the stars falling from the sky, right? You need to have both. Right. What was our previous thing that we had talked about, the previous uh, card thing? Uh, Javen's, what the beautiful thing was the, the most oh, beautiful was thing the world, yes, the world itself and the these like gorgeous natural, natural views sites, yeah. vistas oh man I picture like um, I think it's just because of the natural darkness of the world I yeah. picture that so much beauty is in light Um, so like I love like um, like these bioluminescent trees or like um glowing waterfalls bro um, farmers are the greatest artists when they like do their Oh, uh, they're I planting. You know how when you fly over uh, California, you see those like square rows. Yeah. Here it is like artistic expression to plant mm. in patterns. And when you're on those vistas, those terraces that are naturally around, mm -hmm. you look down and see like, oh, that's a family crest that is there in like the crops. That's super like, cool. And like it's glows, right? It's different glows from the different plants that are planted like that. That's very cool. Like, and because it, it, we've described that like, oh, the ever root reaches the plant, so. It doesn't matter where you plant these plants, right? We don't mm -hmm. have to do crop rotation because it's the ever root and using the glow to give Which it to the Which gives plants. them a lot more space yeah. to do this. It gives now. them a lot more freedom of planting, right? They don't have to introduce rotating soils. Um, and they get to be artistic farmers. That's um, very good. And it's like, yeah, we plant in our family crest, you know? And sometimes it's like you, you're the fourth generation guy. And you're like, our family crest is like a 30-sided plant like you know how many lines of crops that is for me right. and like the other guys like oh yeah my family crest is like a sword okay cool let's move on um nick oh, we're being recorded. we are being recorded currently there is a recording going uh it's a five all right we might skip this one because it's pretty easy oh, okay what are the stars like in our place <laughs> oh the sky the weather we know it they're dangerous uh, violently um they are violently brilliant and alarmingly diminishing. Yes. Um, I think that is like the best way, right? Uh, violently brilliant, alarmingly diminished. Um, man, that's evocative. That I think I, I'm cool with that being my turn because I just like that I got that line out. Yeah, and that's it, right? And and um, the beauty is that because we did so much work in setup, we can kind of fast track that, right? Mm -hmm. I'll ask you this because I don't want your turn to end quite right. just there. This is much less clear. Um, what's the weather? What is, what is the weather like here? Because I had talked, this is my boring vision of the world. I had talked about it um, 
being like a permanent winter here, but clearly we have painted something much different, right? right? Something that is Sorry. much more varied and beautiful. <laughs> My bad. Interestingly, no, there's nothing wrong with that. This is more interesting than what I had in mind. Um, so what is, what is the weather like? Do you think? I have an idea and I think it's very cool because I think it plays with the glow and it interacts with that a lot. I think it's very like rainy weather here. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a lot of like downpour and downfall. Uh, and I think what's really cool about that is, you know how when you look out into like a well-lit road that is getting hit with heavy rain mm. and you can see those waves of water here, it is like the reason like you can tell things are glowing is because when the water hits the ground, it reacts and like dishevels some dirt and shows that glow. You see that glow moving across the land. There's like the reflection of stoplights, but it's the glow of the world. And and rain in particular is such a it's still gloomy, right? right? And it's such a it's a gloom of such a different flavor that actually fits this world. So I'm very into that. And here's what's really cool, and but I love this like thing for us of like, oh, the rain is something we hear and we have like a change of pace, right? We're so used to the sounds that are in the world of not rain, but these people are incredibly accustomed. Like it's rain, it's wet, we're fine with it. It is the sound I'm used to hearing. When do you know you're in a storm? It's like the fucking water drops have stopped hitting and it's quiet and the ashes fall. And you wake up and like I don't hear anything. Oh my god, the ash is here. Well, yeah, it's oh, like oh, like the silence. Yeah, before there the storm. is no yes. white noise of rain hitting anymore. And like you listen out and like you look and open your window. See, like for us, that it's such a different dynamic of us revealing the window with smiles of snow. And for these people, it's like fucking ash, and it's like the most terrifying thing for them to open their window and see. Or it's like like there's a there's a great like uh like anime opening right of someone closing their eyes um, to the shadows of rain falling outside their curtain and opening their eyes to that sound being gone and there just being fire falling, that like deafening. that glow of Can, fire. I love the idea of a deafening silence. Here's another cool yes. thing that I wonder if this is interesting, right? Because I love that we're changing the idea of like rain gloom, right? I wonder if like preceding that right after the rain, it's sunny and gorgeous for the day before the storm gets there. Like right mm. in front of the storm is the, cause the way that weather works actually before like a storm, there is a hot front that pushes the clouds away. Right. Uh, and like, I wonder if that's what happens, right? When you wake up and the sun is out and like things look at their most beautiful and like, it is, I guess not the sun, right? Cause we have painted this place not having a sun, but it is the least covered sky. Do you, do you know what it is? What? Uh, whatever coordinate has stretched its tendrils out to be touched is lit. Ooh, yes, and it looks like sunlight. And it looks like a. It sun. looks like a sunlit sky. It, it burns like a sun, revealing like oh, that's where the storm's gonna hit the worst. Yes, like I feel like oh, that's rough for Eastern and Cows Razine yeah. or whatever. Like oh, that's gonna be tough for them. You know, it is literally like God rays, right? You look out into like a great yeah. distance and you see a God ray, and it's like oh, geez, yeah. Like I'm so sorry for them, but man, am I thankful that I'm not there? Have we written down this? That the the it is rainy weather, um, except for when uh, except for the day preceding yeah. this preceding the storm. You're writing it down right now before the ash storm, remnant storm, please. Suck my dick. <laughs> uh, yeah, the the oh, you know what you know what it's called? Uh, it's called the ashfall. Ashfall is good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Oh, here's a cool thing I wanted to mention too. That is just really neat for world design of like. You mentioned before of like, oh, you know, if this were 20 years ago, I'd notice how much darker it is. The reason people don't notice, right, is because it is in a slow enough manner, most uh, eras, that people's eyes just adapt. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like That's your exactly eye just it. like it's like someone tells you like it's definitely gotten darker. And you're like, looks the same. What do you, you know, mean? I, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it has. Because we've mentioned that it's like every 50 years, right? And it's like in a generation, it gets a micron like darker. Yeah. And like most people don't notice that. No, most people, if you made that adjustment right in front of their eyes, wouldn't notice. Exactly. Right. Let alone over the course of 50 to 100 years to a thousand years. Right. And it is also cool because it is like as it gets darker here, the counter to that is like the glow gets brighter from the bioluminescence, right? Like that is also the counterpoint of that is like, we are relying slowly more on this luminescence during the bountiful harvest season than not. Ah, that's cool. Okay, next card. What does success look like in our place? What do the inhabitants want? I would say it's going to be based purely off of the things that are um, not necessarily needs, but simple commodities uh like the perishable foods that we were talking about before mm -hmm. obviously we would say like the richer classes would be more akin to eating things like potatoes and steaks uh i would say fauna in general mm -hmm. as you know other places aren't going to be able to naturally eat a lot of uh the fauna because they're going to need it to graze on the very plants that they actually grow right so i would say things like that uh the richer classes um or basically the the higher ups, what success is going to look like, or the people who are able to reach that class. You know, we can kind of flip something on its head here, which is, you know, you said you wanted to stay away from, or or try to stay away from, like, typical depictions of, like, English. I was about surfdom. to try and pitch something. Yeah, for sure. I'd love to hear what you have, though. We might be on the same tack. Uh, I think the most successful people and the richest people are farmers. Yes, yeah. that's exactly what I wanted to say, too. The farmers are the upper class. Yep. Because they provide, motherfucker. Like, <laughs> They are the ones like we can agree that the soil provides sort of indiscriminately, mm -hmm. but it's like you want potatoes, motherfucker. Like you go ahead and plant potato seeds, see what the soil does for you, because I guarantee you it won't spit out potatoes. It's going to spit out a bunch of ever root because you're an idiot. But right. I'm but I'm a god. All right. I'm Farmer Jeff. All right. I know my potatoes from my fucking. Here's a cool thing that I also want to characterize. I Farmer nobility is very strong. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? I, again, pulling away even from that, because what we're doing is flipping the idea on its head. We're literally just flipping rank. Right. What I also want to stay away from a bit is, uh, at least for me, again, I love the idea. I Snarky farmers might be one of my, fa as, a, as a potential GM for this campaign, <laughs> that is alarmingly fun for me to think about. Right. Um, but I also want it to be like, do we, I want there to be a skill to this, right? Sure. There is like, you have to plant at the right depth, depending on the plant. Or yes. you, like you said, the way you said it is perfect. You only get ever root. Yes, it is an artistry. The artistry, the skill is getting what you want out of the soil, yes. not just ever root, mm. right? Um, and that's, that's the artistry there. Um, so yeah, I, we'll have to think about what systems go in place when, the highest members of your class are the providers, right? Like, cause in a way that's sort of like almost utopian in a yeah. way, like that's how it should be. The people right. that are, that are the, the people that work in our, in our agricultural farmlands should be paid more than software developers, right? right. Like they are providing a, a direct thing. Sorry, software developers, by the way, uh, you're important to yada, yada. Um, sorry, Bronson. Uh, <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, figuring out what, what a structure looks like under that is very interesting because certainly aristocracy is not a thing, right? right. Like that's not it. Here's a very interesting thing that I wonder of, right? I totally think that we have talked about no one lives near the edges, right? 
all of the farmers are in the center of each of these plat like territories and like all of that space like there because there has to be something shitty to this and absolutely it is that instead of this being like the safest livable space the thing they have argued like no it's the safest farmable space and that is more important that we have we never run out of food you are expendable though more so than our food is more so an important thing is more so than our perishable food is well here is something else um that is an extrapolation of that. Yes. Um, where the the farmers themselves, capital F farmers. Right, of course. Um, the oh, farmers, right? I love yeah, that. Where they uh, do their work is probably pretty safe. Um, and they are farming the most uh, in like demanding stuff. But like, like it takes a lot to grow pumpkins. It takes a lot to grow, you know, good strawberries and like good berries, right? To, to, to harvest from the vine. Anyone can grow potatoes. So, like, go out there where, like, very much like um, Attack on Titan, like, the further out you go, the worse it is. Yes. Go out to the outer walls and plant potatoes because that's all you fucking know how to do. Go to the spud wall, please. Yeah, and it's like your your station in the world is how good you are at planting things that people want more. Here's a good question, right? And we, you guys have mentioned the idea of steak and stuff, right? Because it's hard for me to envision livestock in a world like this, but is there livestock? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good question. And right? I know we're using steak mostly as like an analog to define like that massive differentiation. Of like, a luxurious yeah. food, right? And that is a great, like, but I very, I struggle in my mind to imagine this world with livestock. And I even wonder if part of that, like, dedication to the craft is like that willingness, like, oh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm mobility, but also I work 12 hours a day. <laughs> Right. To right. do this because I don't have a beast of burden that does this for me. Hmm. Like, and I have like people that I pay like to do it. And like, they have the benefit of being able to live on my land in right. the safest part of the like mm-hmm. territory. And like, that's interesting to me. And like, and I don't want to paint the image. I, and I want to make this clear. I do not want to paint the image of slavery. No, um, definitely not slavery. It is literally that, right? It's like, yes, we are so happy to work here because not only do we get to be in the safest place, but if we skim a little of those like luxurious foods off the top, it's hardly noticed. Right. And, and, and I want to be clear that just because it's not slavery also doesn't mean it's not cruel. Exactly. Right? It is. Like, You're exercising a position of incredible luxury and power that they, who is going to, you're not in a position to say no to that. Come work my land and you get to be in the safest place. And you turn around and look at your two kids and your, and your partner. One well, also like fuck up and you're gone. Yes. Like, that happens. Like, Hey, you screwed up a harvest. Go to the outer wall. Right. But it is that, right? It yeah. is not a world where they whip you and like no. beat you into submission. It's that. That's to, enough. They don't need to do that. Yeah. That's enough. Like yeah. it is the threat of like, I can kick you out whenever. Yeah. The remnant can... ashes will, will be plenty. Yeah. Um, Which is very good. Okay, cool. Um, We will return to that and flesh it out more probably off mic uh, because I think that is a very interesting system. Um, that I want to flesh out. Farmer Kings is very cool. Oh, dude, um, Farmer Kingdoms? Oh! Yeah, it's, it's very strong. <laughs> Fuck you. Farmer Kingdoms, the brand new mobile game. The best Shit, part, dude. there's no ads. Every um, agriculturalist is just a fucking king? I mean... It's or a, a lazy lord. It's right, an artistry. Yeah, farmer lords. That's super cool. I didn't even consider that. Like literal cities reside within these crops. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm writing that down. Oh, that's that's a that's, that's a thing so we're, all, cool. we're all agreed to, right? Yes, that's absolutely. That's so fucking cool. We're so cool. God damn it. All They're right, so uh, cool. Nick, draw a card for me, will you? Okay, I am drawing a card. Ten of hearts. No, it's, it's a ten. ten. It is a ten, pal. 
And I think that's the perfect time for a 10. Oh. As much as we want to dive into more of this stuff. We're about to jump 4,000 years. So we've got it all set up, though. Like the bare bones of it, right? Which way are we jumping 4,000 years? Buddy, you know which way we're jumping, right? To the future we go? We to the future we go, I was going to say, I hope we go to the future. We're done. We This is the established way that the world works. We got there. <laughs> we haven't fully defined it, but they're going to. The yeah, world is. Man. Okay. So so when it when a 10 is rolled, rolled, drawn, etc., you may pick freely from the following questions, but do not pick the same one twice. Um, the, I'm not going to read all of them out loud at the read, moment. Read the interesting ones. Uh, find an interesting one and we'll answer Yeah, it. I will find an interesting one and we will answer it. Oh, this is very easy, I think, for a first one. Well, hmm, let me see. The gardens are planted. The work has been done. And now we wait. What was planted and what are we waiting for? Now, we have just discussed a lot about agriculture and and planting. We can take this completely ambiguously, right? It doesn't have to be literal. So let's talk about it. I don't have a great idea off the top of my head. But Nick, you are smiling like a man who has an idea. And I, I bet I'll like it. We discussed there being um, there is this rise of nobility, right? That um, I don't think we were in the period of like farmers ran everything. I think we were in the period of time where like it was kind of just like relegated to farmers as being the providers. What has been planted is the farmers getting together and like, oh, no, we should run these places. And the seed that is planted is like, here, come to our farms and live on them. We will provide for you. You will work the land and defend some of the crops if need be. And we'll sustain each other that way. And what we see like in this like very fast time lapse, right? Is like we see those massive walls that segregate like the place. And more importantly, we see a new set of walls around each farm. And we like, see we see walls come down and new ones come up. Yes. Um we see we see a revolt and a a uh, a vast power shift um, in dynamics across the course of a long period of time. You know what um, else we see that's really shitty? Hmm. The border walls get a lot more full of all the people who tried to revolt and stop that power shift. And they are no longer just the rapists and the most awful people. Right. They're the traitors. Mm. And like we can free away from that, right? But I like that grim picture of like that, that like, oh yeah, this is only for the worst of our people and now it is not that anymore. Yeah, it's it's a sort of um, join the movement or or die sort of thing. Even though this movement is completely like logical and justified, I mean, the people that are being sent out there are former oppressors, more or less. You know, kings and lords that tried to exploit labor for their own need rather than the need of the the widest group of people. I even wonder if some people that are over there now, right, are like. There's probably battle in fighting between other farmers that want each other's farmland, right? And like, oh yeah, but we also need like, give us your child, some of your children, because you've taught them how to handle the crop that you know how to handle. So they stay. You guys go to the wall. I'll say this is this is um what wars become fought over between nations, mm-hmm. you know, nations so to speak, mm-hmm. between different kingdoms is uh space for harvest, space for food. Um, and, and shelter more or less, um, geographical, um, supremacy. And also I wonder if with each passing age, the storms keep encroaching further 
there's this like furthering of like okay we need to the pull land we in. can't live on is getting larger yes exactly the blight like, is the, growing bigger. I, yeah dude that those walls that like, i love that idea you made of like breaking down of walls and rebuilding the wall has turned into like a five mile gap to like a 40 mile gap where you can't even see the other wall across anymore like that massive border that you can't live on is 40 miles wide now and like in that 40 mile gap is like history of destroyed war machines of fighting whatever the hell the remnant ashes were making there and like bodies and destroyed like catapults and the old walls that no longer stand anymore like oh and like yeah that fighting for space is that right what's farmers fighting like for more land and i think if we get to the camp i mean if when we get to the campaign proper i imagine a lot of our campaign will exist outside of these walls like living amongst the blighted lands yeah for sure the blight lands or something cool like that where yeah uh there is the highest danger um to to be found okay so now that we have uh drawn a 10 we have to answer some some more questions or thousand years into the future yep that is a crazy amount of time i think to well, be clear like, i i would really like to paint the picture of like oh yeah the east had like 500 families that sort of ran like uh, or farmer families that were like really sprouting their wings it's three now mm. in the in the east it's three big names in the east now <sighs> here's the issue something like that would happen over the course of a few hundred years this is four thousand years like <laughs> i want to be clear so that we're honest with the fiction society will be nothing like it is now Whatever 4,000 years ago was from now, there is no remnant of that in our society, right? Or at the very least, it is a barely recognizable vestige, correct? Right, but I think that is also because we got we had the opportunity to live in a time of trying to progress, right? Sure. There is something different about a land like this that I don't feel has that opportunity. Mm. And like, I definitely agree with you. It should be different. And we're going to radically change what my answer just was. And I'm going to re I'm going to take that in and reflavor some things, but I do not think it is to the degree of what we're used to when, cause when you live in an apocalyptic situation, it is not like someone could be there and like, how can I make lives, people's lives easier? People right. are much more focused on like, we have to survive the ash and every year there is some calamity of what this ash and things are going to do to us. Right. Yeah. I want to be clear that like, I don't expect there to be cars or like planes right like i don't expect there to be a, right of a technological shift or anything like that necessarily i, I like, am more trying to paint um the change like for instance what i'm referencing here is like in, in the year 1800 to 2000 america radically had like some significant changes in history right right china did not well, yeah, China, it's mostly due yeah. to industrialization, right? Right, like, but like that is what I mean. Like, China got closed off their walls and became absorbed with their all of their own stuff. That is what this place is, right? It mm. is so absorbed in its own stuff that that leg of progression uh, is much slower. But even then, four thousand years is an inconceivable amount to still look similar to what you looked like. And here is here is where I think we can compromise, right? Um, I think you are correct societally. There isn't that time for innovation. There mm -hmm. just isn't. Um, and the, the, the long view for these people is suffering as little as possible until the long dark comes, right? right. Like this kind of proverbial long dark. Um, and so 
I imagine that what shifts dramatically maybe is less on a societal scale, but much more on a physical material scale. Like, what does the world look like 4,000 years into the future? And, like, how does that characterize who still does and doesn't live here? Like, cool. I have some ideas now. Okay. Uh, go ahead. Before you get, I'm sorry. Off the top of where you guys were going, I got I got a little curious as to what you were guys are talking about recorded history and everything like that. Just to compare, cars are less than 140 years old. Right. And if you think about like if you compare the first car to today's car, that's a lot of time for progression as it is already. So multiplying that by four thousand, not multiplying it, but obviously going going by four thousand years, that's a lot of time for progression. Well, here's and and what Nick is Nick's retort to that, which is a valid one, is. It was the whole China versus America, well, obviously, the time of being able to correct, pro- correct. progress. But more potently, industrialization. Because prior to the car being made, prior to industrialization, agriculture was like the thing and remained the thing for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And the the um, the leaps that were made were regarding just making that a little bit easier, a little bit easier because we had the luxury to do so. So like the idea is this society does not have the luxury to make big leaps. We don't have an age of industrialization here because the innovations are, you know, always innovation innovations about preservation, not progression more because there is a progression that we, there is, there is no hope of progression. There is no, at least so it seems, right? There is no undoing what is happening to the world. There is only surviving. And like that does not negate the weight of 4,000 years, but it certainly stifles it, I think, is what Nick is Yeah, I like what Dan's saying because my goal was not to say like, no, things don't change. But I think I'm not even telling you that whatever changes you guys come up with are not how they are, but more so like when you decide on whatever those change are, Make sure you understand that it was slower than what we here in our lives are used to. So, you and, know. You know, and I understand that. Uh, my thing was just, especially if their entire focus would be on agricultural pursuits, I believe that their ag- uh, their agriculture would actually evolve more than anything else they would have uh, they would have created. Obviously, so I feel like. Um, in cases like how they farm and things like that. Cause we're, it goes back to the point where you were asking of if livestock is a thing, if livestock is important, I feel like in cases like that, like towards this 4,000 point, I honestly believe that livestock is more, is almost necessary in the sense, because not necessarily necessary, mm-hmm. but, um, uh, this sense, I think they would have found ways to make farming easier yeah. and more obtainable to a large group of people. And, uh, Unless Dan has something, I have a very pertinent idea of what 4,000 years looks like. Sure, go ahead. It's all the blinded lands now. That unlivable space that kept encroaching, finished. It's n- None of it's livable anymore. There is no longer farmlands. Everroot doesn't grow anymore. Planting is like the hardest thing in the world to make something survive. And when you do, it just turns into like the last bits of Everroot that are in the ground in like pockets of Everroot. Is like that's all you can get out of it. And like... It's all this dark, awful land, and the people who are in power now are the fighters, the wall people, the pe- like the re- the ancient re- like See, ancestors. Now we're, now we're cooking with yeah. Things. It is the people uh, who worked the wall and survived. They were the people in power because when the when those lands got to the farms and things got at the worst position, the farmers yelled like it's that clean scene, right? Of like the remnant ash uh, forces pushing on those walls and the farmer yelling at the people on the wall. Person, the wall. 
kills the farmer and is just like you all listen to me now and like we're going out there because they want to come here to the walls we leave the walls we find somewhere out there where they're less focused and we live on it that's it like we don't have a choice anymore we live in the blighted lands now and that's who we are and it is i fully imagine this is like a raider colony right this is a land where people raid other survivors to try and make it man i do love that idea and see this is this is where i think we start approaching the world that i had had in mind more uh which is yeah it's snow but i think it's ash right it is it's always just it's ash. the avatar's black snow it's always ash dude we've moved on from black sand to like the gray snow this is this is the age of falling ash yeah um like the age of ever falling ash where it's like oh. it is never not pouring can i paint a picture too yeah I wonder if when people look up into the sky sometimes, it's ashy, so it's hard to see, right, the sky. I wonder if you can still see those tendrils reaching out, but it's so slow now. Like, And people are praying for it. Like, please, they touch and we get bountiful. And it has been so long now that they look up there and they don't even think, like, what did that used to mean? Like, And some people still have, like, visions like, no, when they touch, it'll be bountiful. It's like... You're crazy, dude. No, no, it's it's yeah. You're exactly right. People don't know what that means anymore. They see what is it's, bountiful. Well, yeah. I mean, they see it stretching, and surely it's like okay. Well, when those touch, the world will end. Yeah, you know, like exactly. How could it? Oh, be what that? a powerful scene, dude! Of like them touching and like, what does bounty look like to these people if that happens? Right, and that's something that I would love to touch on if we jump again. So yes. Mm-hmm. So now we are in a much different place. This is what four thousand years looks like. Yeah, that's there what, are yeah. no beautiful vistas here. Mm-hmm. There is gone. there is no bioluminescence. There is no f- beautiful falling rain. This is a world that is fucked. This is this is the promised apocalypse. This is the promised blight. Have right? you guys seen the new trailer for um, Armored Core? No. It is literally that. Um, there's a new resource they found. It burns, uh, and they bur- They threw it into a sun to make an infinite energy source. It exploded, and all of the planets in that whole area are covered. There were eight planets. The first four were destroyed. All of the ash from those four covered the other four planets in ash. Here's the most poignant thing, I think. We talked about this is the age of ever-falling ash. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can see the stars anymore. Yep. I think it is just a gray cloud. And the only thing that is visible is that slight black tendril crawling across the sky, you know, from, you know, let, let's One paint direction. this picture. No, oh. from all directions. Oh, yeah. oh, dude, from of course it is. Four. Of course it's all four. It has to be some, like, because one could be ignored. Right. Two, a coincidence. But all four are crawling towards the eye. And, like, this group of people don't like they can't like they will speculate about what it means but most people say like god shut up yeah like it doesn't matter cares like my family's dying right like i have to go out there every day and fight to live Um, we don't concern ourselves with the moving of skies that's irrelevant to the situation on the ground you know what it is it shifts from farming to hunting yep we hunt the creatures of the remnant ash and we consume them and what does that do yeah and I, we definitely see like the Khazra Z are like, I totally think they have these like protruding like red crystals, right? Or like mm-hmm. these embers, embered mm-hmm. skin, like that is like almost ever burning when like it touches and like, oh, that's so cool, right? And like when they die now, they turn into that ash because they have turned into the remnant ash. Wow. And like just like when the people at the wall would kill something and it turned to ash. Everyone is that now because you have to consume the remnant ash. Man, when when people die, 
everybody has their ashes scattered, right? Your your husband dies, you have maybe 12 hours to get them where you want them to be before they turn to ash. Yep. And like, where is that going to be, right? Oh, dude, there's definitely like images I see of like, they die, their body like starts to like, you see poking holes of like embers and like people wrap them in like these cloths and carry them on their back to where they want them to spread. Oh man. When there's like, I, this is a very like um, Dark Souls three opening cinematic. Oh, for sure, that's like, exactly what I'm evoking here. Yes, like um, people like carrying you know Nezuko style backpacks yeah. um, uh, that are just pouring ash and glowing this red ember, and it's this great pilgrimage that you see. Um, of oh man, I wonder. You know what it is? I wonder if it's not like you have twelve hours to carry your dead. It's that once a year the dead turn to ash. And it's like people, it's a holy pilgrimage to carry your dead to the resting point, whatever that is, yeah. right? Like the capital RP resting point. Um, and like, that's a great pilgrimage of people braving the elements to take their dead to that place. It's a fucking mountain of ash, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck. And it's like, your goal is like, you have to climb to the top and then drop the ash from there. Javen, Nick and I are playing a game of table tennis here where we're just batting back the most grim stuff. I want to hear from you. What do you think? What's um here? You know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to toss the next question to you. We are batting back and forth the the intense facets of this society, right? You were the person that defined what was beautiful in the world, right? In our in the first iteration of our world, being vistas and the natural beauty. What is it here that does sustain people? Like, what is it that people keep fighting for past the point of survival if there is something like that? What is a glimmer of optimism we can find here? Because that is also poignant. We don't necessarily need to be entirely grim here. What is what is the 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 glowing, the light at the end of the tunnel for these people, so to speak? Well, so we've gone on to the point where earlier we had established that these falling ashes, like there's always supposed to be an opposite reaction to every action. Sure. Right. So if they were at the point where, Oh, we're in a great age where there is still the, this great depression, if you would. This, yeah. This law, uh, this we are in a, a, a dust bowl, so to speak. Yes. In that sense, what if there's areas that almost seem uh, frozen in time, these areas that you can call them as directly uh, under the, what's it called? The coordinate absentia, those mm -hmm. four points. Each of those can still have their own, their own uh, little pause beauty, if you would, or the idea that we established that um, maybe people do eat the, uh, or maybe do people, or people do eat these ashes still. Uh, we had established that these ashes, while they do leave a sense of corruption, eventually they do turn into something beautiful as far uh, as part of it. So what if instead of people making a mountain of ash they use that for their sense of substance they use that as their own form of not necessarily agriculture but as um feed or something they use to uh in a sense uh bait mm, that is interesting something that you said that i i latched onto is this idea because there's an optimism and pessimism here of what people tell themselves so they can sleep at night we had talked about Khazrazim being a prison. I wonder if people think that outside the borders of Khazrazim, if you can get to the sea beyond the sea, there is a beautiful world. Right. Right? Like, this is the attack on Titan across the ocean. Right? Like, what is what is what do these people tell themselves about what is directly under the coordinates in absentia? Like, that sort of like, oh, man, if we could only travel far enough, we could get out of here. 
but we can't. And like, what does that look like? Um, Nick, you had a smile like you had an idea. Yes. Um, something you mentioned that I love uh, with with so much of my heart uh, is when you said like underneath these coordinates of, uh, in absentia, there is these moments that feel frozen in time, right? And I adore the idea that like way back when this was run by farmlands, like there were each of these four points had like a plan of trying to do things and we see those left behind, right? I wonder if like in the East, we see a massive like rundown castle of like this incredible bulwark of a city that was built like the greatest fortress ever that has now been toppled, right? But it's still something people look at and is like, you know, it's a testament to what we can accomplish together. But to the West, there is like a tower and it's like, oh, what was that? It's like, they were trying to escape into the stars. It's like they were trying to get to the stars and escape. But like what we see instead is the tower is pushed over and on a mount, like leaning against a mountain and the center bit is like hitting the ground. But even when people look at that, it is this feeling of like, for some people it's like, it's a waste. But for others, like we did that though, 4,000 years ago, sometime we worked together and did that. And that is something we can keep doing. We were capable of great things. Yes. And we um, still can be. And to take that further, and to really, I think, honor for like frozen in time. I love the image. Um, this is again very Elden Ring of that castle in the distance is crumbling and there are pieces suspended in the air. Yes. It is literally frozen in time. Mm -hmm. There is a tower that is falling towards a mountain and it hangs on the precipice of touching that mountain, mm -hmm. but it never touches. It is it is frozen in that falling state. Um, there is, you know, something to the, we have to come up with two more like very poignant images, right? Yeah. I think fortress, uh, tower, uh, I really, really love the idea of, um, like, how do I word this? It is just like a, I think it's like an underground network. Right. Mm -hmm. And like what you see is like, man, I wonder what that looks like from the outside. Or I wonder if even like, oh, no one knows what's to the North because it's the only one that was frozen and not visible from above. And like southernly, what was that? I wonder, like, is was that a massive arc and they were going to sail the ocean? And I wonder if Ooh. that's why people are like, oh, they had it. That's something we can still do, right? We can get to the ocean. These guys were making an arc. Like, and like people keep looking at that as like, oh yeah, we can do that. That that one's of, of tower, bulwark, nothing, and arc. Arc seems the most achievable. And I do like the idea of that one, especially since we're coming off like uh, this place was named by nomads. So in a sense, it all started with nomadic uh, with nomadic beliefs in practice. What if the idea is that it's ending and for its rebirth with nomadic beliefs and practices? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it is right. We we're, we've gone away from um, this. People used to travel around and set themselves up. Then they went to farming and staying on these lands. And now we've described hunters that have to move and follow the remnant. They literally follow the storm that is like roaming the lands. They have to follow these storms to gain nourishment to find out where these awful things are being made and it's like it's like oh um what is like the best place to go it's like well if you want to be crazy you can go in the storm and hunt from the center of the storm but that's for a select few people that try to live like that and they never come back yeah good luck coming back from that yeah um what i would like is um in the distance um we can see the ocean right and it is literally a blackened sea um, and sticking out of the Blackened Sea is a sail 
like a mast yes. larger than a skyscraper. And that's the remnant of the ark, right? Right. It is. It oh. is a giant mast with torn sails, um, made of a of a fabric that is like uh, unfathomable in its size and its in its um, material, and it's like stuck in this wind blown hollow sort of. It is. It is the biggest oh. ghost ship ever. Right. And these are the co- and like this is so fucking poignant because we have been calling these the coordinates in absentia. These are all places that once had so many people, so much going there, and now they are frozen. There is nothing there but their remains that are untouchable. It feels they are absent. And here's something really cool that I want to paint, right? Because every each of these nations that took extremes to like make these four big things. And it's like, okay, what did the arc do, right? And like, I love that somewhere in that like time dilation, we see them building a dam and like congregating a shit ton of water for like a thousand years and breaking the dam and flooding the south and like the boat starting to lift and something goes wrong and we just see it like fall into the ocean and like the south used to be so much larger but they flooded all of it right they what they did was they built a wall for the ocean and all of the people dug like they dug out this and like they went below sea level and when they were done they're like okay break the dam and get in the ark yeah and we don't know what went wrong but something did something did that sails there they'd never left and or or there's there's a a myth that um the the rising wave took them to the stars yes and and they departed the ship Oh, right? that's good. Depending too. on who you ask, and the ship was left behind. Yes. Oh. Either they they failed in a major way, or they succeeded and 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 were gone. And you could make that argument about any of these uh, ruins, right? This is what's so cool to me, of um, because I love that you painted. Like I remember that this is a prison, right? What we see, like only and that where that arc is, like you see the sail, and like when you follow your gaze upward from that shoreline, you look up. And in that only there, you see like this crack in the sky that seeps in light. Like the, the whatever this prison is, is broken over there. And there is like this one rivet of light that is there. And like for people, that's hope. And this is where the tower is? This is where the sail is. It the was sail sailing is. towards oh, that light. Oh, 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 And yes. like in that, yeah, in the far, that's where, the, and for us, we know like that's where that prison wall is broken. Right? right and it's crumbling but it's over there and that's what they saw and they're like we're building a boat and we're getting to that mm. and that's so cool because i love again i think Jamin, you were so right about like there needs to be a reason these people survive a hope and that's it right you look that direction there's light you look over there and you see like a tower that they built that they could climb up and is the answer up there past this cloud this overhanging cloud well and like here's this funny thing right this is the this is the the weight of time Maybe it's not like a like we are like we very clearly from our own biases picture like a god ray like a like sunlight right like that's such a heavenly devout um, beautiful image you know breaking through the clouds breaking through the storm what I think it actually is is a crack in the sky revealing starlight that's so good it is stars burning through and people being like no look the light is still there yeah there are still there are still stars in the sky and like there's this funny thing of like that's the gods the gods are there and it's like look at them watching over us and like no recollection of this great tragedy that occurred where though no those are not the gods the gods are gone yeah right like that that uh prescription of something is so human and so natural um fucking fantastic um there were other questions but we actually answered them 
um, just organically. Um, I want to read them just for the sake of the people listening. Um, the other questions to ask when the uh, era flips in the way it has is, let me find the gosh dang page. Um, what does the place look like physically? Uh, has anything visually changed? How does it smell now? How does it feel here? And does the place still use the same name? We haven't answered that necessarily, but we can. Uh, if not, what is it called now and who calls it that? I have a name. Okay. Um, the Vazramir. I just, I, I, I don't know what the fuck it means, but mm. uh, there is, I know that in... That I'm trying to remember where this these words come from, and I'm pretty sure they are like Hindu in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I could be entirely wrong there, but I know that when things begin with like the ka, there is a divine sort of pull towards it and a pull towards nature, and V pulls towards shadow. When words begin with like the the vor and va, it is dark uh, by nature. I have a, a yeah, suggestion. Absolutely. Khazrazim, right, mm-hmm. yeah, does carry with it this very kind of ornate, yes, beautiful the, it's feel the to H-A it. That like, <sighs> and, and the and the 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 multisyllabic nature of mm-hmm. it, right? This place is just called Vash. Oh, yes, V H A S H, and it's Ooh. it's just short and to the point, and it it probably means shadow, yeah, right, in whatever language this is. It it means ash. It means you know whatever. Um, it is just Vash. Um. So if we're cool with that, that works for me. I even but. wonder if it just means gray land, mm. right? Yeah. Vosh is just the color gray. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. Fantastic. So we can continue play now. Um, so now we operate from this point. Um, so uh, that was for my card. So now I believe it's so then it's you. Yes. Okay. Ha ha. I got a 10. No, I'm kidding. It's a four. I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, four. Okay, cool. This is our first four. Oh, here's something important, Nick. Do uh-huh. me a favor. Yes. Um, separate the cards so that we know how many of them we've drawn. Oh, yes. So that's if right we draw here. another four oh, two I hours see. into the future, we know that, oh, this is our second four. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, okay. What is the primary building or natural material of our place? Mm. And again, if you don't love this. I do love this, though. Okay. Uh, while I'm on the subject, um, if you don't. Uh, what you can do is do a focused situation. Um, you can tell a story. You can throw a party or you can discover something. You can also see an omen or leave the frame. And this is interesting. Just This is actually very strong, Nick. You might want to hear this. Leave the frame. Just for a second, the window widens and we are able to see a little bit more of our world. You may ask, what is the mountain like to the north of our house? Are there massing armies on the sea, what type of dogs do the neighbors have or anything else that you wish to know? So if we wanted to, we could go beyond Khazrazim. We could go beyond the borders of Vosh and see what lies beyond those great remnants. If we wanted to, we don't have to. This is just something that is a, a power right. that we do have, which is oh, interesting. Um, right. But please, if you have a thought for yes. that prompt, give um, it to me. For sure, right? Uh, I th- I think it's simple. It's straight to the point. I think we all thought it, but maybe we didn't say it. Uh, it is the bodies. 
uh, it is the natural material that comes off of uh, the remnant ash monsters, right? We, I wonder if we have found a way to stop their bodies from turning to ash. Like if you do something very quickly after you kill them, like it, oh man, it's right. It's like, it burns from within. So it's like separate everything from the heart. And if you do that quick enough, they don't turn to ash because the ashes, the heart is what starts that process. Or the burning from within becomes a craft, like oh. metal work, like welding. You kill the monster, you bring it to a craftsman, he'll make you a sword. Yes. You, oh. you kill the monster, you bring it to an architect, he can build you a home, right? If you kill something big enough, like there there are great warriors who live in vast mansions who have slayed terrible titans. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Uh, I was thinking something more along the lines of uh, like as far as finer craftings or the smaller ideas. Um, the sheer fact that people can turn, like we are naturally able to turn ash into diamonds they could do something similar along that because there's no actual saying as to what these ash was to what this ash is but let's say if they condensed it it becomes an actual ore something that you can actually craft with but i in all it's called in all honesty i also love the idea of the natural pieces of the creature falling apart the natural Man. army that they come down with and i think that there's something because nick you said the bodies and i thought you meant the corpses of our people no but that's but also i the think thing. there's absolutely a group of people who are like hey i we're infected too now i don't think i don't think that it is a group of people i think it's just commonly done this is this is a use every part of the buffalo right, fucking society. Right, right. Imagine oh, we're a sword and it's your dad. We're just oh, we're gonna just Jesus. We're gonna let this oh, kids. We're gonna move into grandpa. Um, <laughs> like we're gonna like just let this thing fall to ash that could be a pot, it could be a pan, that could course, be a sword. When people are passing, that is what they do, right? They tell you like what they want to be. That's their last will and testament. Yeah, like, take me, I... take me to Arek. The, the blacksmith, the ash smith. Yeah, and ash smith. God, and have him forge me into a great blade for you to wield. Oh, I yeah. fucking love ash wield Like you said, I wield my father on my hip. Oh, my, that's my, so my, my mother good. guards my arm. You have no right. Oh, I like that's a line that. that people say, right? Dog, family heirloom means something She's so different, different here. here. Oh, that's the name of this episode is family heirloom. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. what's left behind? Yeah, dude. Oh, I'm very glad we landed upon that. That is very you cool. You wanted us to go outwards and zoom out. Hey, and I'm putting cards on the table, so to speak. I'm okay? over here thinking Monster Hunter big thoughts. I'm over here thinking I'm making buildings out of dead folks. Um, okay, uh, do you want to flip the next card? Is this it is for, my turn now? This is or? for Javon in the kitchen. Uh, Nick, flip the card for me, will you? Six. What is the most horrible thing about our place? Uh, and this can be... A societal trend. This can be a creature. This can be um, a weather event. This can be a way that people view the world. The most horrible thing can be our short sightedness. You know, go for go wild with this. Okay. Um. This I I know I was just going over to the point where like I, I was trying to veer away from how dark and gloomy the world already is. I was trying to be a little bit of it, but and this one might actually be pushing the point of maybe a little bit too dark. What if there's groups of people? that seek material by not wanting to wait for the ash spawn and uh, what's called and participate in oh gosh ra in ravagers murderers uh, yes yeah raiders yes and that is 100% a natural extrapolation that would occur 100% man so it's not just the elements you have to contend with it's roving bands of people that want to turn you into a fucking boot 
Yep. Like, and we could say that they view, <laughs> big Drakari vibes. And, and just to make them a little more evil, we could make them like genuinely racist. Like they believe certain things make better pieces of equipment. They could mm. say like, "Oh, children make better uh, armor." Oh or, God, that's yeah. awful. Or killing warriors make better weapons. Right. These gloves are made from a baby. Like that's the softest material. No, it's no, it's like, that right. The younger they are, the more lavish it is. Yeah, like the Ugh. more the more luxurious All right. it is. All right. I'm uh, sorry. I didn't want to get. I don't want to make it no. like that. That's so, not. Really, this is a great way. This is, to, but I do. I, I do like making villains that are absolutely unredeemable and just like that. Right. And this is this is a great uh, show of the game. Um, what we are broaching here is very dark. Correct. Yes. Very grim. Um. For listeners, uh, you know, if we have brought something that is is particularly uh, disturbing to you, you know, these are the natures of stories, right? They can go to dark places. They can go to scary places. Um, the game actually has a mechanism. Um, now, that w- if we were playing privately, I don't know that this is something that we would ever need to use because we are pretty in tune with each other's um, boundaries and lines. Um, but there's a coin that should be placed in the center of the table. At any point, a player can flip that coin. And if they do play pauses and does not continue until the table discusses what the problem is, what they're uncomfortable with and resolves that in some way. So like if we were playing this game and I was really uncomfortable with that sort of description, I could flip the coin and say like, Hey, maybe that is something that exists. Let's not go into the details of it. Right? Like we can say there are Raiders that do terrible things and let's move past that. Right? Like we can imagine the things that they would do. Right. And so that's an important thing to know about with this game. There are safety tools built into this game, ones that we will likely not use just because of our general disposition. But it's worth knowing if you are going to play this game um, that uh, Everest has has considered these things. And it's it's important to know. Right. And I do want it to be known that that, that was my whole fear in bringing it up. That was why I was saying, like, yeah, no, me at any point. you yeah, you did nothing wrong. And that's the whole point of safety tools is being able to raise your hand and be like, ah, I don't like that. And then, you know, have the table address it with with um, trust. And here is something I want to pitch just because almost on the opposite side, David, I am not a fan of irredeemable heroes, uh, not so plainly black and white right? or villains like there is definitely not a way to flavor this in a way that this is OK. But I, I would like there to almost be like a crazy spot where they could have jumped off the logic and thought that this was OK. Uh, and I think what that is, is one of the things that is common in like so these societies, these groups of like hunters, when the remnant ash is not providing, yeah, it is like a question of like, okay, we need material and someone, some people got to start volunteering to do this. And, but it is that, right? It's a volunteer thing or something that they view as like an honorable sacrifice for the village. The, the problem here and the evilness that these people view of it is not just that you are killing someone for material, you are killing people who did not volunteer. Right. You know, they, this was a place that like, when you do it in your village, they've never done this to a child. Like, of course, you know, but it is still that like, oh yeah, when you have reached that age of like 60 and you no longer feel like a suitable warrior, you're like, okay, perform Vereshem on me. There's that idea of like, when someone is getting murdered by them, they say like, what you people do is evil. It's like, it's nothing different than Vereshem. We just, we enact it sooner because there's gotta be something they say to themselves that justifies it. Even if it's illogical and wrong right. for us, it is just the evilness is that right. That they have to murder it all to get things done. But for these people that live in this world, this awful kind of shitty world, right? It is that you're doing this without their permission. You're not performing for Hashem. You are murdering. That is the distinction. If we can recharacterize the name. Oh yeah, um, for sure. That is thing. purely a p- placeholder. Yeah. Um, 
to be something. This can be like a call to the past. You know, we had the uh, the um, Kaziri people who ha- founded Kazrazim. Mm-hmm. I wonder if the Vosh people. This is Vashrim. This Ooh. is this is becoming the gray. Oh, uh, the Vashrim is very good. Um, I'm you know, that down. like the you know when you reach a certain age, you you have to ask yourself. Am I serving the society or should I should I engage in Vashrim? You know, should I should I have my family conduct Vashrim? Right. We pass the point of like there's no longer that contention between farmers and warriors. Everyone is born here who's warriors now. We're four thousand years later. Everybody so everyone has that understanding, like, I do, I want to serve my people here. And this that, is this is touching very much on um uh, sort of a, a, a further extreme of what we did in our first game of the ground itself, where this is a very pragmatic society. Right. What do you provide? Yes. And if you don't provide, you need to capital P provide. Yeah. You either, right? right. You either capital P provide or you leave. Like, and there's something very scary about that um, in terms of what is the value of a life? Eugenics. Like, Someone who is who is handicapped in this yeah, society, born with a fucked up a gimp leg, like you're right. looked at, and like you've got a like you had that kid, and like as a family, that talk of like you look you like a wife and a husband looking at each other and being like, it, we have to we have to do, uh, vashrim, yeah, or or refusing to do vashrim and, and being exiled for it, or being uh, what's what I'm looking for here, ostracized, ostracized. There we go, um, that sort of thing, and like. Or, and like, again, this is a, a perfect moment for us to be balanced in our take here. Like, there is something very grim and very dark about, you know, killing the child with a gimp leg. But, like, there is a, a bright hope of finding a different purpose for the child with the right. gimp leg. Here's the thing. The child with the thinking. gimp leg becomes an ash smith. That's exactly what I was going to say. Yes. The ash smith are the people who were forced to find value in not fighting. Right. right? And it is very strange for them to, like, you know... Yeah, we're going to try to teach you an Ashmith, but it's a hard craft. It's like, but when your livelihood depends on it, you better believe these people throw themselves at it and like try to do this because I guarantee you Ashmiths are like an incredibly honorable position. Right. And like through this sort of pragmatic society, and I guess we should apologize for the use of gimp leg. That's certainly not. That's uh, rude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Handicapped individuals in this society um, are. You are yes pushed into a certain caste. This is definitely a a caste caste. I don't Mm. know how you say say that. Is it caste society? C a s t e. Yes. Um, it's definitely one of those societies where like you are a warrior, you are a craftsman, you are um you know a scavenger, right? Right. Like there are these like very you know delineated roles. Um, I even love that you said like scavengers, right? It's like oh, you have grown with this inability to gain like muscle mass. It's like, but you're pretty agile. It's like go out and grab things like find like we there are some nearby other like communities sneak into their place and like take but don't kill them or like you know go out into the open blight lands and and sift through the ash right yeah like there's like a whole art to like sifting through the ashes and finding a small pocket that can be you know honed into a gem oh man and i'm totally because we had painted this um I had written this down as like what what do they call the castle the castle that's like frozen in time that like uh, massive fortress mm-hmm. I named it the bulwark I totally can see that of like if you're a scavenger and you're like okay I'm gonna travel to the bulwark and see what I can get from there mm-hmm. right because it, it looks like some place that might have something more than what the ash can provide or at the very least the closer you get 
the more yes. oh, it's so it's said, right? Right, yeah, yeah. The closer you get to the the four pillars or you whatever. You see a castle, you assume there's treasure. Right, exactly. Um cool. Okay. That was that was really neat. Yeah, um, I just wanted to make sure we characterize that more because it just felt a little too cut and dry. Right. And that's that's the beautiful thing, right? Is we are asked these broad questions, we answer them and we hone down on them. Yes. And that's that's what's important of like, yes, there are these people that murder uh and 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 take why do they do that and then right. yes there are people that cannot fill the role of warrior in the society yes there are people that sacrifice themselves no these are not the people that necessarily will be sacrificed just because they can't serve this role right society's not that clean right there is more to be done than just fight even even in a world like this um are you like categorizing it too of like what i wrote in my notes was like um these ravagers uh, they murder people for the express purpose of easy material. Yes. And I even think the Ravagers, they explicitly do not fight the Remnant Ash Monsters because it's just harder. And do you know writing. what I what I think is that there's probably another case of people, cast of people who um, are like called like reinforcers who just go around and make sure that the buildings that have been constructed are of a sound foundation. They reinforce them with ash that has been scavenged. They, oh. they make sure that buildings will stand the next storm. Dude, it's a faction of Ashen Smiths that like go around and like, yeah, like you said, like yeah. we found a society that is choosing not to go the nomadic route and trying to set down. We're going to do our best to provide like actual structural integrity to their buildings. Right. Like, and they might not know what they're doing. It's like, and just, oh man, I even wonder if like the ravagers are like, oh no, that is that faction. Maybe we don't raid them if there's another option, right? Because even I like, I wonder if they're like a neutral party. Yeah, or like the 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 raiders slash ravagers, whatever we'll end up actually calling them. Um, look at that and say like, no, they're not vulnerable enough. Oh, they're too yes. fortified. They have walls, right? Yes. Like they're not tall walls. They're not massive. It's you know, no longer an easy picking. Right. They are not walls of the past, but like it becomes uh, an or like I like the idea that like this this bigger society that we are talking about here are rejecting the idea that um, this has to be a society of individualism. There mm -hmm. is a collectivism here of like you go to make sure your neighbor's house will stand so that they will do the same for you when, you know, their son is born, oh, you know, man. or like I... when, when their grandfather passes, if they have extra ash, they will go to, uh, you know, ensure that your house is firm, you Dude, know, that kind of thing. I totally had an image of like, whatever this raiding party is like attacking, a, a, a like, a. a basically a camp right mm -hmm. and killing everyone but then like finding like oh this is an ashenite like cool we bring that one with us right because like, we don't have an ashenite because we don't live by those society rules but they do and mm. that's incredibly useful to us sure as I, and it's that offer right we will spare you if you do this and like i guarantee you a lot of ashenites choose death but i guarantee you that choice isn't as easy as just like oh we're just gonna slit your throat and, and we don't have to color that mm -hmm. but it, it's these ravagers, whoever they are, color are colored evil, not just because of what they do, but because of other facets of that. Right. And part of that is like, again, for us, it's easy to look at it as like, oh, they found the disabled them and they are literally forcing them to their will. Yes. And that's shitty. And that's bad. That's real bad. Hot take. <laughs> it's bad to take advantage of people. Um, okay. Next card. Bit, so yeah, it just it here. just sounded like a group that uh, basically veered away from nomadic 
practices and yeah they do opted to fortify an actual area oh you're talking about those guys yes that, that like he was saying less individualism of like traveling and like there are people starting to try and reform collectives right and groups and they're trying to like settle down somewhere well and the neat thing that we've talked about with like the way that things are honed and built is that like i like the idea that things can be broken down mm-hmm. to their component parts and taken somewhere else like this is very much like an outpost settlement oh yeah and like if things need to be moved we you know we burn down the ash collect it and move to the next place and try to salvage what we can oh man, we, we will not take all of our homes with us it doesn't work that way we're not that lucky but we will have something we will How have some cool start is that, that you just hit me with something about the material here of like what is the primary way in which like you can like you handle working with this material and it's like it's fire you know when you put fire to a building it like starts to break back down and i like that idea i like this um this almost cyclical nature of trying to go back to settling down somewhere right it it speaks to like a very human desire to set roots somewhere even if the world would will you not to um, which is is very strong to me, um, but let's keep going because there's a lot game a lot of game left to be played. Uh, let's go ahead and draw the next card. Is this me? Uh, yeah, yes. I, I drew the last one. Okay. Oh damn, that's our second eight. This is interesting given our world. The news is dramatic and tensions are high. What is the news? How is this reaction physicalized in space? <sighs> the news is dramatic. The tensions are high. Oh man, here's what I will ask from one of you two: Is this good news or bad news? Everything seemed super bad so far. I'd like to hear some good news for this world. <laughs> it's important that whatever it is to be clear to the prompt and respectful to the prompt is that it's dramatic. Yes. So, it, it, yes, I mean, it's, it can certainly have a good face on it, I would say. Um, so, yeah, I mean, absolutely. What Cool. What do you think? The central tendrils have moved enough to where light is starting to form in the center of them. They have mm-hmm. not touched yet, mm-hmm. but suddenly light is there. One day they wake up and like there's lights in the center that it's reaching towards. Hmm. The center being like the eye? Yeah, the eye specifically, right? Where okay. they're all reaching, like light is starting to form there. Characterize that in terms of like our stars shining right. through. So yes, I think it is that, right? That same crack we saw in the wall where starlight shines through, there is like a crack developing here where starlight is starting to shine through the center here and, and bleed like, into this like gray light, like and, grayed out area. And this is like the this world's version of of like we've talked about God rays a lot. Like, yes. These are star rays, right? Yes, like, star is, rays. Um, these well, are ironically celestial rays, right? Calling these God rays is actually quite appropriate. It, very appropriate. Given what we have characterized them as. So yeah, okay, that's sick. And um, I like that that can be like, I am saying that that's good because I think we know what that means, right? The prison is coming down, but mm. I don't think this has to be good news for them. I think this is being taken very differently across the land. Just good for the world in general. Or right. This area, but yeah. Here's the necessary question then afterwards, which is how is the reaction to this physicalized? Like what are what are people's what reaction are to this? People's reaction to this, you, we are seeing. Um, I think what we see is like we cut to like the north, the east, and the west, and you can see this because of how they're viewing this light, like from different directions, and like what we see is like a quick flash of people talking with their like groups, and uh, like we cut to the ravagers thinking and scheming, and like people start making towards the center the most inhospitable part of the lands Mm. and people are starting to go towards the eye, even though it is known to be the worst place to be. 
Like people are putting effort into sending out parties. I, what I wonder is I would like to take the, the visual one step further, please, whatever, than what, what we've seen in the distance. Right. I think what it is, is that, um, there are the stars shining through, um, but there are, um, there is something falling from the sky and it's gentle and it's warm and it, it is not fearsome. And so people are going to see what it is. Dude, is it like, cause I'm imagining almost like I'm fully evoking like when the earth trees leaves fall and that is what it looks like. It looks like something gentle is falling onto the land over there. And I think, you know what this is in my head of like how it's in physicalized. I think we follow like a soundless party of people breaking through these awful monsters in the eye and someone reaching there and grabbing onto one of these lights on the ground. And then we cut away. Like we cut to their face being lit up and like it flashes and then they're like, we cut away and like pull away and just see that more things falling and people reaching for it. I see a very cinematic. And it is like, I think what we see at some point and that's, it's like incredibly flavorful. We see a group of, um, uh, the Vosh people and the Raiders, like at some point they work together and we see both of them cutting down one of the remnant ash and both looking towards the light instead of attacking each other. And like, that's a very strong scene. There's right? a very strong moment of like, um, like, do we want to say Voshri, Vashari? What do we want to say? Ooh, Vashari for- is nice. You see, you see a man of the Vosh, um, there we go. cut down from, um, you know, some, something right like we had talked about like they're not being livestock right so like there are not horses in this world right which is very interesting um but you see you know a vosh uh, a man of the vosh cut down and a raider pick him up yes and like and fight to get to the center together yeah right? as their friends die around them mm-hmm. right like that's that's something Ooh, that's a very that's very powerful very strong image okay next prompt uh go ahead and draw a card we have uh our our second nine Man, there is such a delightful tension to this game where every time a card is drawn, you're like, oh, is it a 10? Um, okay, this is our second nine? Yes. Okay. Someone or a group leaves our place. I think we might have settled on it. <laughs> Who are they and wh- and why are they going? What do they take with them and what do they leave behind? Man, there is something very, very, very strong about a place being the world being the continent of of Vosh now, yeah. formerly Kaz Razim, which God, I love a place having old multiple names. That's yes. so it's so good. And it sounds like we might be leaving Vosh the name soon. Uh yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> the way the, things are working. Yeah. Oh, so what we were just ge- what we just generalized as this great pilgrimage to to the the central pillar of light or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a departure. Yeah. This is the departure of of the Vashrim, right? This is the this is this is the great Vashrim. This oh, is fuck it, yeah. We'll get, we're doing away with the suicide being called Vashrim. Yeah, that's way cool. We will call it something else, right? Like we can call. I, I think what it is is it is something like Kazrazim, but it's like it's more. You know, it's like um, anyway, we can figure it out. What is left behind, man? Because it is it because we can certainly paint a picture of everybody that survives that pilgrimage going and everybody else is dead, right? People didn't, some people didn't make it or we can characterize it as there were certain people that made this pilgrimage and others that just couldn't. 
And so they those are the people that are left behind. Here's who's left behind, right? The Ashen Smiths. Yeah. They can't make that pilgrimage. They can't break through that wall that is constantly building of monsters. Certainly, certainly a number of them, right? Because right. I don't want to paint the picture that all Ash Smiths Ooh, are. You know who's handicapped. left behind? That group of Ashen Smiths that go around fortifying civilizations. They're still around. Because mm. their goal was not their goal was to try and pull away from the nomadic ways and try to help plant roots. Man, I I think I, I do want to settle on this because this is this is something that Javen might be picking up on and want to poke us on. We need to settle on Ash Smiths or Ashen Smiths because Ashen is what I come up with. But okay. Ash Smiths is very fast, and I like that like notion of it. I like it because you said at one point Ashen Knights. Mm-hmm. I love that. As like as like a fighting order, right? Well, I think that's what they turn into now, right? Because they're they're the fighters of left. Well, yes. So here's here's the thing. I think the Ash Smiths um, sort of form a quasi religious. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna say, what if they're two different practices? What if Ashin and Ash are two very different uh, methods? Well, I, I, yes, that's something that I think is is what I I wanted to touch on, which is that I think the Ash Smiths fragment and there are the ones who are capable of fighting become the ashen knights um and ashen is what you call something that has been crafted and ash smith is someone who turns the ash to something something is not ashen until it's formed right so like this is my ashen blade my ashen i am an ashen knight i am someone who uses these things and i am an ash smith someone who who makes these things right. and there's also something very desperate right like this is the skill that kept us alive if we leave does the next place have ash mm. what do we do there the people left behind are the people who think that that light was not a good thing right um, and it's not like they could find out whether or not it was a good thing because the people that left never came back Right, right. There's there's a certain divide. I think there is because it's never just one thing, right? I think there's a group of people who were like, "Yeah, I'm not going there." That seems like a fucking like that is a that is the light dangling off an anglerfish, right? Right? Yeah, uh, like this is just the remnant ashes, like toying last with us. Monster. Yeah, the last monster is in that light. Right, exactly. I, if you, it's like there's stories, right, of like when you get to that light, you will find the bones of all of the fools who thought it was anything less than another remnant. Well, and here's here's why that myth persists. All it is is a boneyard now. Because the people that didn't go got slaughtered. Yeah, and it, re- it like people are like, oh, this is what happened. And I was like, no, we know. No, it's the people who like fought to get some of the people there. Right. Some but people it, did. We get this image of people being like for uh, Star Trek use, like beamed up, so right. to speak. Where did they go? We don't. We even the people, the players don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's part of the fun. Once <laughs> someone gets a card they don't like and we zoom out, we can start talking about it. And that's what's really cool about this game is like there's a there's a veritable fog of war that we are containing ourselves to uh, which is very neat um okay uh someone want to flip the next card three our first three what do people listen to and perform here what is considered the folk art i want to strive for something here which is like a light in the darkness right um the people that are left here are people that believed or at least certainly that the foremost group here are you know the ashen knights of perseverance or whatever we want to call them we'll come up with a snappy name the people that are left here are people that believed in vosh um and i i almost want we should rename vosh now but the people that are here believe in setting down roots right they believe that it is who they are on a on a fundamental level in the same way that like you know i have talked to people who 
absolutely detest the state of America, right? Like the the political state that it's in, the the climate of of discourse, etc. But while some people will flee the country and go become an expat somewhere else, they're saying, "No, I'm not leaving because America is my country. It is who I am. I want to stay here and fight for it." Right? I admire those people for their strength of will. Personally, get me on a fucking plane to New Zealand. Um, <laughs> I'm only here because I'm broke. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that sort of principled stance, I feel like, is is commonplace now of, like, uh, whatever the name is, is who we are. You, I got it. I, okay, I have an idea, too, but God, I want to hear you just sound very poggy about yours. Yeah. How do they come to this knowledge? Man. Okay. This is going to recharacterize things a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think, and this is, like, very, this is very anime. Uh, I think when the people leave. Mm-hmm. When there is that departure, I think there is a grand shared vision across the world. Ooh, nice. And that vision is of Cause Razim, of the bioluminescence of the past, of the grand and beautiful vistas, of the glowing waterfalls, what this world used to be, and what they believe can be again, somehow, in some way, can be repaired. I think this place is New Cause New Cosri is very good. Okay, that might be better than mine. My idea was Ashara. Ashara is not bad either. I was like, just off of what you were saying, I also kind of like Cause Return. Like mm. literally, just the return of what was or what was what once was. Mm-hmm. What but New Cosri just sounds really nice. New Cosri is not bad. Something that we could do is call it Cosaret. Which is oh, like, that's cool. Kazaret is like a is like yeah a return to Kazrim, right? This grand return, and like I think this vision is what drives people, and I think this is what makes it a quasi religious order, right? Is this vision is like this poignant, pertinent, physicalized thing that people have experienced of like a grand vision of what the world could be again, and like we as the players don't even know for sure that this is something that they can accomplish. We are opening up these walls, right? Like maybe it is. Um, but that's something. Um, so I, I like that a lot. So from Kazrazim to Vosh to Kazaret. Um, and the people are the Kazretti. Here's what we have to decide, even though we didn't um, get a card, right? What's the time frame here? Of like these things happening? Yeah. Or, or here's what I want to say, right? We have decided that this sort of way the land work had happened somewhere in the 4,000 years, right? When did it become this is the way things are? How long ago was that? Like th- it, there's been... Ash and uh, Ash Smiths. Mm-hmm. There were raiders. Mm-hmm. We are people working towards the ocean. Mm-hmm. How long was that? Like an established thing, and we lost the farmlands, and we moved away from that. I think it's like what you described. Of like, it's something that it does not. It can't happen all at once. It's it's a it's a slow dying out of a flame of people moving inward and inward and inward um, over the course of you know a couple thousand I think we can divide it very cleanly and say 2,000 years mm-hmm. over the course of them fighting for survival and maintaining that farm centric mm-hmm. form of life and 2,000 years to establish and, and end up where we are now okay cool because I, I am quite literally writing out like a timeline sure of things because I, I, I want to know when these names came about because like we won't know, right? But there are certainly historians and maybe even like legends, like bardic songs that exist probably in the campaign that reference like Kazrazim was this land. And it's mm-hmm. like, what the hell was Kazrazim? Right. It's like, oh, some far off distant lands. And no, you're standing on it. Or like 
there's an there's an ancient text that describes ancient Khazrazim as a heaven. So people think heaven is called Khazrazim. Yes. Like that kind of stuff. I love I love historical misinterpretations like that. Okay. Uh next card. Another nine. Our third, third nine. nine. Okay. There Returning is planning nines. going into a celebration. It is a festival holiday or remembrance. What is what is it that we are celebrating? I think that we already actually kind of got the idea of it it could very well be the new name of this in this location it could be the grand celebration from the people who believe it kind of that religious uh, uh, that religious the name group. the naming of the current of the home like yeah. the, the um yeah i know what they're celebrating i think it, the naming is coming from this being a celebration it's like with this with what we're celebrating we should change these lands and i think what they're celebrating um the remnant ash are dying out Hmm. I I don't think they are gone by any means, but I think like the waves are getting smaller. They're, right. They're, I, they're I, packs. What I think it is literally is like if we were talking about this in like Attack on Titan f- terms, right? There are no more colossal titans. There are no more armored ones. They are the lower ones that people can tend to handle. There are like there are reports coming from um the center of the Blightlands. Like there aren't titans here. Yeah. Like there aren't there aren't like. What we would call like maybe they call them like grade, like yeah. Titan grade uh, remnants, right? Like right. They, those are not those are not around anymore. Uh, but what I really like the idea of, right, is like they're like, oh, this is a sign that we're okay now. And what we cut to in camera, right, is like, no, that wave that went towards that light took out the majority of those Titans trying to get there. Right. This is like, no, you're not blessed. This is a consequence of people trying to reach for that light, and like they just like, and not only that. I like to imagine that that break where that light is, it's like that ash is not spreading from that point anymore. Yeah. One, like, I think there's a viewpoint of like, you are not blessed in the divine sense, but you are blessed because of the thing that has occurred. Right. Yes. A blessing of circumstance is a great way to put that. Um, Very cool. Okay. So yeah, I think, I think we, I, I do like the idea that like, this reduction is what spurs on the celebration. And, but I like the idea that the celebration is called the naming. The naming, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the it's, rejection of Vosh. Right. You know? Yeah. And this is where the grand vision that we had, you know, 20 years ago of a land where, where people thrived and, 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 you know, lived Khazrazim. It's three, it's a three day feast and it is like the naming, right? It is like the first night was the, uh, the victory of, um, the defeat of Vosh, uh, the rejection like the middle one is named something else, right? Is is another name, and then I think the last one is the birth of Kezaret. Oh, you know what it is? Huh. The people are now called the Kazri. There so we it's, go. It's the death of the Vosh, the birth of the Kazri, and the emergence of Kazaret. Yep. Very good. Uh, next card, somebody. A two. And this that was is our first two. Me now? Uh, yes. yes. Oh. At this point, we're just gonna flip the card, and someone can start talking. It doesn't matter. Um, this is our. Second first two. two. This is the first two. Okay. Well, this is man. These are flowing together very well. This is such a well-designed game. God damn. <laughs> um, please go buy this game. Um, name a monument, marker, statue, or other physicalized memory that exists in our place. What does it mark? I know what it is. Yeah. I I don't know if you guys want this, but I really like this. Um, and I it calls back to Kazarim, and I really like that. It is um. It's a memorial wall built around the se- the eye. 
if you want to leave, this is your last moment to go towards that light and figure it out. But the people here are actively like, it's accessible now because there aren't remnant ones going or stopping you. But people just don't because things have calmed down and they feel like they're on the up and up. Is it like a wall? Of it's a wall. Names? Like with people, like if you remember someone who went towards the wall, like please write in their name and we'll it's, honor if them. If you yourself are passing it, please write your name. Yeah. If you, I, and on your way out, write your name. It's called the remembrance. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, or better yet, I, I I love remembrance, right? It is death, birth, and remembrance. And it is like written along the wall, like all the along the top. It is like you read death, birth, and remembrance, and like it's treed right. So anytime, wherever you are, you can read that. I want to add one thing. Yeah, maybe it's not death, birth, remembrance. It's it's death, rebirth, remembrance. Yes, right. That is That's, like they call yeah. it. That is like if you'd like to go see death, birth, remembrance. Or maybe they even affectionately call it the wall, mm. right? I wonder if it's called like like the circle, right? Because it, it is Ooh, it is yeah. a, the barrier, the the enclosure. I don't know something like that. Um, there's there's a poignant name we can get to that, but something that is like closing in that area um, that is is very strong. Um, but yes, okay, cool. Uh, that is that is very good. Um, all right, next card. We're flying now. Seven number one. Okay. Are you sure this is seven number one? This should be seven number two. I don't have a seven on the board. Me either do. Yeah, there's no sevens. What does that one say? What is the most beautiful thing in and about our place? Is that one of the setup questions? That's one of the setup questions, yeah. Okay, well, we are well, in, hey, we are in Cazaret. Hey, I think we've already maybe have defined that that might be the wall. And do we want to take this opportunity to zoom out a little bit? Yes, let's do that. What question would you like to ask from that list, Dan? <laughs> so let's let's look. You may discard your card and pursue one of these actions during your turn unless it is a draw unless your drawn card is a 10. You can never discard a 10. You must uh, move forward. So we are leaving the frame. Just for a second, the window widens and we are able to see a little bit more of our world. You may ask, what is the mountain like to the north of our house? Are there massing armies on the sea? What type of dogs do the neighbors have or anything else you may wish to know? You get one table, excuse me, you get one question, then the world snaps back. Man. Is it my prompt? Yeah, that's your prompt. How do I keep forgetting whose fucking turn it is? Where on Kazaret, where there are not people, does life start to bloom again? I have an answer for this. Yeah, that's what the table's for. Those frozen anchor points start to move again. And in the rubble of those uh, things finishing, we see life blooming. There is an unfolding of light and an unfolding of luminescence. That answers the question of what is beautiful in this world as well. On the horizon, you know, in the distance from anywhere in Kazaret, you can see color. And these people have not known color. For ever. For It's been millennia. a gray yeah. and red palette for fucking eternity. What here. is that like? How I mean, how does that not make it feel like a divine attachment to this place, right? It's like, no... We are the new Kazri. We will return Vosh to Kaz to Kazreen, right? We will return to a great and and bountiful people, um, not knowing that Kazreen had its own fair of struggles as well, right? It was not a perfect place, but this is the way that we think. Okay, we have answered the question. The world snaps back to where we are. Technically, we didn't leave the frame, so to speak. I, well, but I, I have something to kind of color that if we want sure i think no one sees this right yeah here's here's the question maybe and i think you might already be going here what's behind the fortress 
right? What is beyond the fortress? What is beyond these poles that we are seeing mm-hmm. where the color is starting to unfold? You may have a different well, answer, but... You were saying like the unfolding of light, right? Mm-hmm. I think in the sky above where that unfolding of light is, we see a hand like start that unfolding. Mm-hmm. And then we like, it's gone. The moment it like, it starts a cascade effect and that's it. And then it, it's gone. And I don't think we get a scale of shape for that or like a scale of size for that hand. We like we just see like a hand and we don't know. Is that a mortals? Is that one of these deities that exists that we know still around Mm. or is like or what? But like something makes that decision to start that cascade of unfolding light. Okay. Uh, Next card. That's our second two. Bro, we're going to run out of cards for the other prompts for the other uh, seasons. (laughs) Well, that's that's the beauty and the balance of this, right? Like we're defining this era very heavily. We will jump again, and we won't spend a lot of time wherever mm-hmm. we end up, which is interesting. Um, uh, what is produced in our place right now, and how does it make its way into the wider world? Is this export a physical good, knowledge, or something else? So, what is there now in the world that there was not prior that is making its way out? Okay, you guys can go ahead and cut this down if you like. Um, but this whole idea of rebirth and um, the light coming back, I like to believe that the life is also coming back. What if agriculture is making its way back in? Not to the point where it was before, but what if Astro is actually, not Astro, what was it called before? Everroot. Everroot. What if, ever, actually, I like the idea that it's now Astro. What if the idea. Yeah. That, that is certainly is what now, the Khosri, the new Khosri would call it. What if the idea is that there is now another form of agriculture where now instead of using that very ash they were using to make hard materials, they can actually import it into the ground itself and make a form of soil that produces astro. What if agriculture is spreading again? Uh, I'm all for that. I mean, I think that's great. And again, it's not going to say like, oh, ash smithing is gone entirely now because no, no, that's no. still what they've been. They've prioritized their entire, or like the entire, their entire generation, but now they're evolving in a sense or yes. moving forward to agriculture, to another sustainable uh, form of living, which I, they would eventually have to do regardless since all of the ash spawn are dying. I would like to paint something that is an inverse of our previous ever route that I like quite a bit. Um, we have already painted that like colors coming back in the form of like vegetation, right? What if, and like you said, ash root, I love that they name it this, right? They pull out a flower and attached to it is this root. And when they like break that open and plant those seeds, more of these flowers come out, more of these random uh, vegetation spread. And like, instead of the ash root being the thing that pulses life into things, it holds the life now and you spread the seeds of uh, ash root wherever. It's it's said that if you, if you take a root, if you take the ash root uh, from the most beautiful flower, you can take it home with you and, and plant a garden yes. in your home. And it may not produce exactly that flower, but a but a um, almost like an animal crossing, like crossbreed yes. of those flowers will spawn across your yard. And I think that helps with your thing of like, I don't think agriculture comes back in the sense of like organized agriculture, but at the moment it is like that refreshing feeling of like people are spreading color in yes. the form of agriculture. I was going to say, Color is piecemeal being planted back into the world. There is a seed that has been dropped and people are collecting and sowing those seeds. Agriculture as a like organization is not back. Agriculture as an existing thing is coming back to this world, right? Right. We have taken the first steps to get there, right? Mm-hmm. We right. are. And I, I just, I find something beautiful and poetic about that as in, oh, for sure. Instead of an actual material 
being brought back it's a practice and not only that a former practice and yes it's not exactly the same but it's evolving with the times and, the and de- it's and it's a nice cyclical callback right yeah to like a greater society and it's again it's proof positive to these people like you see we're like, good we, we did it we are returning. we weathered the storm <laughs> we are returning to kazrim um, um, what could possibly go wrong? And I, I also <laughs> love the idea that like the less graspable version, the answer to this question is like, what has come back? Faith. People have faith in tomorrow. Yes. A view of the future. Yeah. Nick, I fucking love you, man. Like that's <laughs> what it is. Like, I think like quite literally like an ash root, I think is like a religious thing. Like sure. it is like, it is not like, I don't think there's an organized religion where they're worshiping a deity, but there's like a ceremony to spreading these seeds. To borrow the name of the book, it's worshiping the ground itself. Yes. You know, the like, ground itself is providing for us, right. not the sky. Right. The ground is super cool. My turn. Next card. Yes. That is a six. And that is our second six. It looks like someone returns to our place. <gasps> Changed. Who are they and how are they different? Now Man. that, that is loaded. Oh, how wild do we want to go with this? Uh, I have you some know ideas. the answer to this. Go as wild as you like. We've never defined this, but I'm going to pitch this to you guys in this exact same moment that it's happening. Sure. It is Khazar, the god of the east. It mm. is the coordinate in, abs- in absentia touching ground and forming a person. Mm. And they've always been there since, like, when we went backwards and talked about, like, what was left here, those four gods, they're back. That, can I? Yeah, can please, I, please, whatever you have to pitch against that. No, it's nothing against it. It's oh. just a, a recoloration. Yeah. Uh, which is actually a, a kind of funny word. This is um, Khazar, you know, the, the god of the east. He's the god of light and color. Oh, yeah. He, as he steps on the ground, flowers bloom. He wears a, a cloak of ever-shifting color. Um, his eyes are rainbow in nature. Like, they are a shifting palette, like um, like a crystalline view, right? Um, he is a being of glass, um, this, like, diamond glass. Um, and, and his hair is ash, and it's just flowing, and he is magnificent. Very good. Oh, Very good, Nick. I, I do really love that one. That and, is... and what was once that void in the sky is now burning with crackling, beautiful light. light. Yellow oh, sunlight. Yellow that. sunlight. That we've never had on this land before. Yes. This land has never had sunlight that we understand. And this is the first time. That's so good. What a good, oh, what a good game. What good people we have. I love this of like the gods like that because you said returned and immediately I'm like I love because my head went to like oh I wonder if it's like the first nomad who was like the first nomads that were here at Kaz- uh, Kazrazim and I'm like no I know what this is, this is and getting that name was so easy and I loved that name like the yeah. moment it came my mind of like Kazar. Do you know what it is? I, uh, I love the idea that it's not the god of the east it's the warden of the east. Yes because they, they wouldn't call them gods at this point yes. right? Yes it's Kazar it's um uh, the light color warden of the east, or the color light warden of the east, something can, like that. Can we call him the gem of the east? Sure. I mean, that's I another do name. Love gods, that, gods gems. have multiple names, right? Right. Like, he's, and gems have never been around either, so far as we've known, right? Right. He is. He is 
um, like Kazar the multifaceted, Kazar the returned, Kazar the gem of the east, the warden Kazar of light. Kazar the opulent. Right, the warden of light and, and bringer of flowers, right? Like, yeah, light ooh. manifested. Because right. people look at him and see Crystal. I, these people have never seen Crystal and they're like, oh, he's light. Light manifest is yeah, great. Light yeah, light manifest. Oh, totally fine sticking with that one. Uh, there's just the thing that was going through my head that I, I really just wanted to throw out just so like, if in case something like similar to it comes up, uh, if we can go ahead and talk about it, would be what if the Ash Spawn came back and the idea that they're changed is they're not so much Ash Spawn. They are like, not, they're not so much Ash Spawn as in like remnants of gods. Their Ash Spawn is in their actual fauna. Well, yes, you are touching on something very good, which is, Kazar touches ground and an ash spawn sprints at him and he reaches and uh, brushes its uh, form and a beautiful elk reveals itself and he climbs atop it. And that is his mount is this beautiful. Oh, and from that point on, right, his his symbol in like the religion is a stag, a, a stag head made of crystal and like surrounded by ash or oh, it's got like markings of ash on the antlers. Oh. OK, well, hold on. Yeah. Maybe we slow down here okay, okay. And, and, and attribute less of that to Kazar. Maybe what brings, this is us jumping ahead, uh, heedless of the game, but maybe what brings back Fauna to this place is a different god, the next coordinate that falls. And they are, they are the, the, um, the shepherd of life. They are, um, they are like, um, a great way to put it, like, uh, they are life, life reintroduced, right? Can I paint something that is also an omen for this scene? Sure. When the coordinate falls and Kazar is born, no one was around, right? Mm-hmm. It fell into the body of a remnant Ash Titan mm. and formed Kazar. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean, right? Mm. And I think that evokes more of like, we have talked about what the ash is. It's the blood of the like remains of gods. Mm-hmm. And that image is very evocative of for me of right. this huge shift in relationship with like, mm-hmm. I wonder if there is someone who's like, but they're a remnant ash, right? Like, what if they're a remnant ash just like, and this is another one of their tricks. They made the light in the sky. They can do this too. Right. And like, he's right, mm-hmm. but he's yeah. doing good. Mm-hmm. And I think that adds like that sense of foreboding again for the viewer, right? Not necessarily the people living here. I really love the idea that two of these points have now kind of touched ground. Mm-hmm. Does that mean there's two suns now? Or I think no, the, light and color, mm, right? Right, light and color is resemblance no. from Kazir. Here's what it is. So, so Kazar um, is he births the sun, right? In his falling, in his descent, he births the sun. Insert god name here, which we will we will get to. It's so hard to not be in Austin here and keep them in the same naming vein, but I do. I want to step away from that just because I'm trying my best. Yeah. Uh, oh, dude, I I know. I listen. I've got it. Okay, what is it? Uh, it's Vashra. I struggle with that only because Vosh is such a brutal place, right? Vosh was such a here's what I'll paint right and what maybe this god might evoke and that's part of it right you might have had an idea of what this god was already representative of Vosh wrote to me as like an era represented um what's that called like tenacity Mm. um faith in a community um honorability um, like giving yourself to a whole 
to serve the next day. Mm. Like that is what that nation represents. Cause this is a people who survived something awful by maintaining their honor in a very not easy way. Like you said, it's a nation of people where we use everything and we don't only use everything. You give everything. Okay. You know what? You recharacterizing Vosh as what we kind of ended up in near the end of its lifespan mm-hmm. is good and, and would make sense in the naming convention of these people, right? Because they would view the end of Vosh as what, what they know. Um, it's, yeah, I like maybe Vashara. Mm-hmm. Oh, we'll make her a woman. It's, yeah, it is um, Vashara, uh, the warden of life. Um, and when she is birthed, a great tree erupts from the ground. Oh, I love that. And and blots out the sky in that area. Big first tree vibes. Big first. Of course, we have to. You know? Yeah. You, I, listen, I refuse to be in a fantasy world where there's not a giant fucking tree. Okay? It's too cool now. Thank <laughs> you, Elden Ring, yeah. for there's ruining no our world future tree. world. It's not a world. <laughs> Elden Ring understood the assignment. Cool fantasy world, lots of stars, big fucking tree. Um, if we yes. want to pull away from a great tree, I have an idea. Okay. Um... Instead, I wonder if it is like, because you had characterized something really gorgeous about like something fallen and frozen in time. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it is like a flying oasis that floats for everyone to see. Like it is a representation of the lushness of this new land. Yeah, that is that is something. Um, something else. Yeah. that I thought is that you know, Kazar is um, light, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and. Uh, there's there's a sort of blending here, right? Where I, I think we need to maybe delineate more, right? Like, because if if Vashara is bringing you know nature and fauna, um, it feels like natural that she would also bring flora. Whereas, like, maybe we need to characterize her as when she walks, flowers are are blooming. Um, well, right. What's what could be really cool here, right? Is like we characterize it like that, but I wonder if they're born at the same time. Yes, exactly, exactly. Kazar. Right. Kazar is light manifest. He brings light to the darkness, warmth to the cold, like very much a, a warm and vibrant presence. Whereas Vashara, you know, um, floats atop the land and leaves, you know, flowers in her wake, floats atop ash and leaves flowers in her wake. Um, I wonder if the, the remnant of her is a um, absolutely colossal and glorious green dragon. Oh yes. Like it is but like very um Breath of the Wild like or uh serpentine, much more like um like Chinese dragon yes. than worm? fantasy dragon. Hmm? Like a worm? Yeah, like um like more of more so of a Rayquaza type dragon, yeah, yes. if we can touch on Pokemon. Um No, I totally understand, right? And like I, I really love the idea of it's like it's it of course like we're gonna go all the way on this right and say it's made of like floral right like uh it's oh, like scales vines. yeah it's oh, scales are like vine and floral and beautiful and flowers beautiful yeah. flowers and like it is the tree instead right one yes. thing I would I want to say is behind it could very it could be the very petals that used to fall in the center oh yes it it drips the same it, petals it, it, or yeah or maybe not, it doesn't drip but it is it's it's feathery plume like a dinosaur yeah. almost you know in the way that they've been recharacterized the the feathery plume is that same blue purple bioluminescence well then here's my question right is this thing just vishara that that's was, super fucking cool to me that, that is, this massive dragon is vishara here's what it is it's the dragon is vishara her her um she is vishara shepherd of the west warden of life harvest harvest etc <gasps> i love that um I'm trying to think of the most poignant word here. 
um, Vishara manifest on the world is a small child, a small child with um, a a like a wreath of flowers, you know, and a loose sundress who walks along and and runs her hand across, you know, um, uh, like dead fields and brings back wheat, right? Um, spins around in a field and trees sprout, like this glorious thing. And when you look into her eyes, she has the eyes of the dragon. She has these beautiful, blooming green and pink eyes um, that could feel like they could burn a hole in you, but it's this like warmth that you feel drawn to. I have her name. Uh, The child? Yeah. Sure. We we can definitely pass this around, right? Okay. Anima? Anima is not bad. Anima the child. Anima the child, right? Or even, I even like like the child anima, Mm -hmm. right? Because it literally means the child of life. That's fantastic. I love that. The child anima is yeah. so good, dude. Well, and again, the the, the beautiful flexibility of, of gods is that you can call them so many things, right? Some people just call her anima. Some people just call her the right. child. Some people call her anima the child, the child anima, et cetera, right. et cetera. What's, uh, what's her name again? Uh, the Warden of the West? Voshara. Voshara, okay. Yeah. So oh, dude, v- V-O-S-H-R-A-R-A. Does that dragon just reside in like the sky or is it like become a mountain range? Like until it's like until Anima needs it to do something. Hmm. I tell you what, right now it's in the sky. It is a dragon in the sky. If we leap forward considerably in time, it certainly becomes a mountain range. Yeah, right. It becomes not a mountain range, but highlands. It oh. becomes it becomes beautiful Dude, rolling it's hills. An unnatural. Like you see across the sky, just this like people live in like this roiling land above the sky that shouldn't be able to sit up there. Right. It's like, oh, this isn't how gravity works. It's like, right, because it's a body that's just resting. Uh, Nick, go ahead and draw the next card. We have our third eight, it looks like. Third eight, you said? Yeah. Someone or a group of people comes to our place. Who are they and why have they come? Do they bring anything with them? I have an idea for this unless you guys, I would very much like to hear your ideas. I was going to say. Literally, the, my idea is the people of the North that I've had in my head. I was I was honestly going to say if there was no ideas, we could just leave it at the fact that it was the Lady of the West coming over and bringing fauna. But I would much rather hear what, who the hell's in the North. Sure. Go ahead. In my mind, they were called the Forsaken. And what they did, what the North tried to do uh, way back during Kazrim and trying to like escape this storm, they dug. They're a people of underground mm. existence. And this is a people that like, oh, like have empty eyes, right? And they feel around and like. I want to characterize yeah, the, please. Physi- the physicality of these people. Yeah, please. They are ashen skinned, um, they have glowing purple eyes. And they have um, horns that come out of their head. Um, and uh, can I like the idea that they are horns that are like, um, like um, they're vestigial. They're vestigial Ooh, horns. nice. They are pliable and movable. And yeah. like they use them to, to dig. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was thinking something uh, different when you were saying they're pliable and movable. I was thinking there's something more along the lines of like antenna. Or like they they could work very that well. Too, right? Yes, that could absolutely be it too, right? I, I am throwing out ideas, right? I even like the idea when you said vestigial. I wonder if they've become so similar to the remnant monsters that their horns ember, and that is how they see in the underground. They provide their own light. This is what they look like. 
Yes, yes. Oh, I love that. But it's that. like fired embered horns. Yes. Oh, I will. That... I will post the the link to the picture, uh, which is drawn by a fantastic artist on Twitter, which I will remember to link to. But um, I think they are. They like. I don't think they call themselves the Forsaken. I think everyone else who saw them is like, oh my god, we never knew you there, and like out of pity, they're the Forsaken because they think they have it so much worse. Maybe, maybe not the Forsaken. Maybe the Emergent. Emer- oh, like the, the Emergent emergence. Flame. Or something like that. The mm. Mm, there's something there, um, but I I like the idea of like digging into the like or, or like assigning them this new quality, right? Like the emergent past or something. Like, what if they're only called the emerged? That right? also works instead the of like emerged. just the emergent, like just the emerged. I think it would be a very big shock to anyone if they found out that there's people living and possibly even thriving under them. And that that opens up a whole new vista for us. The so screen gets wider. I, I don't know why the the word quolar came to mind. What is it? Quo and then apostrophe lar, like quolar. The yeah. quolar people. And this this uh, this um, event in time is the emergence of quolar. Yeah. The emergence of the quolari people. Yes, dude. Oh, there we go. We got the name that flows cool. really well. Yeah. Very good. Um, okay. Next next prompt. Whenever we have a chance. Uh, we're on our third two. We're getting to a lot of third numbers already. Yeah. A major modification happens to our place. What is wow. it? The Quillar oh. just came. I think this is yours, Javen, actually. Oh, uh, do you know what this this could very easily be, Javen? Is this is the widespread adoption of flora and fauna? Like, it absolutely could be that. But um, just touching a little more onto it, I honestly think that with this emergence of the Quillari people, I honestly think a large part of the land whether it was already inhabited or they're simply adopted is changing to suit some needs for them too i believe that they're making it easier to actually shape the earth since it's what they were uh, since what they used were used for before uh, the quolari bring wisdom on oh, new right. forms of, something, right? of architecture yes things we like aqueducts yeah. things oh. like aqueducts streams right there oh dude there was definitely like we're passing we're creating our own passing of time yes but there was definitely like a century where it's like oh the kolari are lesser than us right but then like there are those like surveyors or those people who are willing to go and they like they go underground with them it's like Dude, they are so much further advanced in architecture than we ever were. And like they said they haven't seen remnant ash for centuries. Right. Like and we just finished dealing with them. Right. Well, here's something that I wanted to pitch to yeah, you. Yeah, please. What if Quolar is the world we built for yesterday and tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, that cool that you guys were talking oh, about where so there's nice. places, pockets in the world where gravity just didn't work yes. anymore. Then. Okay, better than yes. This was not the Khazar, the Khazarim people who like did this. I even wonder if this is like the people who early on started digging and you, got here. No. Do you know? Sorry, not no. Right. But no, no, please, please. Did you know? What if the Quolari people are fallen stars that interacted <gasps> with the ground? and the soil and became manifest but rejected whatever primordial like anger and and violence caused remnant ashes to be violent and they sunk deep into the ground and became people yes they're the remnant ash that didn't stay monstrous right Right. they are remnant ash redeemed oh and that that's i think that's what we have to paint right for those hundred years it was like they look a lot like the monsters and like people like don't want to trust them. Right. And then it's finally, we get that like quality of like, 
but look at their cities. Do you know in, in Princess Mononoke, yes. um, the way that the the big like beast has that sort of like shifting um I don't remember much about the names of the things in, in the Princess Mononoke, but there's that big beast um that is sort of like goopy mm-hmm. um and has that sort of um green, like almost sludge look to it. Um I'll find a picture on my phone real yeah. quick. Um, I wonder if the, cause if the uh, Quilari horns are not like burning flame, but they look like that and that that is Ooh. how the remnant ashes have always looked. And like, that is like, that's what their form was. Yeah. And like, that is what troubles people so much is like, Oh, they are like, what are they? You know? Yeah. Um, let me, let me find a picture on my phone while we um, keep going. So Hell yeah, that's super cool. That was a really good idea. Javen. Um, fantastic. Uh, go ahead and draw the next card, Nick, and then you can read the prompt because I know you have the PDF on your phone while I find this picture of what I'm thinking yeah. about. Seven. Oh, man. Which seven is that? That's is that our, our third. Third seven. Okay. A forgotten aspect to our place is recovered. What is it? A corner, a basement, a hidden garden. But I think we're we're already too big to focus on like a single city getting something back. Yeah. What do they get back? I don't know whose prompt this was. It's, it's yours. Oh, is it mine? Yeah. We're going to listen back to this and like have accidentally tossed Nick like all of them. And I love that. But also like the beautiful thing is I, I don't I truly don't care like right. whose prompt we're it hitting is. interesting things. Yeah. We're just going to be bouncing things back and forth. And something that's worth noting is like this is a great example of um, take what you like, leave the rest in game design. Right. Or in like in, in adopting games like when we flip a 10. If we roll something that's like ah, it's just like a couple days, like boring, we can jump ahead if we want. We can right. we can do whatever we want. Like we can do what's most. This interesting. is our this world. Is- I have an idea for what was recovered, and this might paint again a more peaceable idea of the world happening right now. People get back civilization and roots, and like remaining stationary and not having to travel. A grand wall is built. Mm. Right? We recover our walls. Yes. I think it is literally going out into the blighted lands and like people recover them from the borders. We recover home. That's what we recover. That's beautiful. That's very strong. And this is like, I think it is literally like, I think it is animus and- Anima, uh, right? Anima, sorry. Anima and I want to nail these names. Um, Kazar- like talking to one of their disciples each and like they see, they feel lost and what do we do? And it's just like, well, it's okay. We like, they look around at the city that's been being built around them. And it's like, we have a home now. Right. Some very like variable instances of that. And like, we even see maybe the, the Kular people it down under. And it's like, they say to themselves, like we zoom in on one of their conversations. Maybe they have a leader or a leading group. And it's like, what we have that they haven't and we will help them gain is like we've always had a home when they haven't. One thing I do want to ask about these Quilar is what exactly is their view to the people? Because we've already established that the people have at least a beginning distrust towards them. How do they view everyone else? I think they want to help. Yeah, probably pity. Yeah. Like I, Okay, I th- but then that was my thing is whether this is a thing of trying to be like viewing them completely as equals and trying to integrate themselves with them or if this was a thing of we kind of pity you guys because you're a little behind we want you to catch up to us yeah yeah and i think it is um i wonder if this is very much like a um the far sight and the the towel of like i and i want to paint this because this is very vivid i don't think the kolar trust uh kazar and anima 
I don't mm. think they like them. Mm. Like, I think on a very like critical level, it's like we were fine without a deity. That's you shouldn't need to rely on that. You right. did nothing for us, which is ironic, right? Because we have decided that they are made from deity. Yeah, something I want to establish that I I really like. Um, in relation or like maybe in, in rejection of a lot of typical fantasy is I want these gods to be fucking inscrutable. Oh yeah, like, for sure. I think, I think like Anima is a laughing child. Like she does not speak to you, you know? I, I don't know that you ever, like I love that Kazar came down um, and, and coated the world in light in this grand flow and like maybe, you know, people tell stories of they saw Kazar's passing, right? They saw him pass by and 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 coat something in light, or or bring the sun to something, or bring warmth to to, to light a fire. But I love that they they do their job, they do what they came down to do, and they retreat to somewhere. And like it is said that you can go there to commune with them, but like they are not seen again. Like I like the idea of them being an inaccessible presence, right? Bro, the, I wonder if Anima. Uh, I wonder if it is she's like called the Lost Child because in like these forests that she has created, it is said like you can hear her laughing within the forests, mm-hmm. but you will never find her. Right. And like, I love that like you can go to these places, and like when you speak to Anima and speak into this echoing forest you hear your own voice speaking back to you, like echoing almost mockingly. Mm. Uh, and when you go and try to commune towards this like crystal palace, right? You look and you see reflections of yourself and those are the answers to your questions. Oh man, that's what it is. The um, the tower that was in the distance <sighs> becomes the tree, right? And it's said that in the center of the tree, Anima and the sleeping god Vashara reside. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fortress in the distance becomes um, coated in resplendent crystal, and it is the crystal palace. I think it's the opulent palace. Yes. Um, Just because I can't, I don't want to think of a restaurant the whole time. I, I agree. I love the idea of that. Um, that it is it is Kazar's opulence. Yes. Right. Oh, perfect. Um, and that it's said that you know if you can find the way through its labyrinthine halls, maybe you will you be will given find the answer. You'll be given the gift of of the knowledge of light. You know the the answer will be uh, revealed to you. Whatever it is that you seek, and it's these sort of oh, and it's that things. shitty thing, right? Of when you get to the end of it, it's a reflection of you, and you're the answer. To <laughs> the it's definitely that. Like I can't because you said they're inscrutable, right? So I love the idea. Oh, that yeah. he's not there answering your questions. Yeah, no, I mean you tr- you trek all the way to you know the slumbering god Vashara. And Anima maybe will pluck a petal and hand it to you. And it's like, what does that mean? Who fucking knows? Right. But, like, but here's another thing, right? There's definitely people who have made it through the opulent uh, palace and gotten to the end of it. And like being true believers, they're like, you're right. I am the shaper of my own world. Yeah. I can handle this. I will spread this message. People always ask them like, what was at the end? It's like, you have to make the journey yourself. Mm. And it's just shitty, right? It's kind of shitty. <laughs> you had to be there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's that on like a very Ugh. fundamentally different scale. Oh God, that fucking guy. Don't talk to Dylan. <laughs> He'll tell you about how he made it through Kazar's opulence. Oh, Kazar's opulence. You have to go to see yourself. You're the answer. Like, shut up, dude. Um, how about you make your grandpa a sword or something? Um, <laughs> okay. Next prompt. First ace. First oh my ace. gosh, we haven't had a single ace yet. It's you, by the way. Okay, this is one that I will likely skip because it's not that interesting to me. No, you which need is, huh? Okay. Which what is, is uh, what are the plants like in our place? The rocks, the soil. Ugh, fuck that. Alive. Care. We've described it too much and just like side stuff. Yeah, exactly. We know. 
is yeah. the important thing is that we know. If you, the viewer, uh, listeners need to know, it's no longer gray and gross. It's very green. It's very vibrantly colored. More importantly, it's vibrantly colored from east to west and spreading slowly towards the north and south. Like that is what I imagine in Doesn't my mind. Like, almost, mean, if I think if you were to zoom out and look at this from above, it almost looks like an eye opening mm, in the way that it's spreading. That's oh, very I poignant. Love that. Yeah, that's but what it looks like. Does that mean that the north and south are still ashy? Yeah, at the edges uh, like, of them for sure. I we have not made a time jump yet, so yes. right. I don't think it's fair for us to say like, oh, there's no history of that left it there. No, no. it's still ash. I wonder if they know it looks like an eye, and like you. Well, the, probably not. Oh man. Okay. I really like the. Um, the uh, reemergent Oculus, right? Uh, but no, I like that. The reemergent Tide is very cool. Yeah. Uh, especially like painting that because we've had so many, we've alluded so much to water here without handling actual water. Right. Which is so cool of like imagine like waves of land. Just imagine when the tide hits the sea, mm -hmm. what that reemergence of color and vibrance looks like to see yeah. a black sea turned bright blue, right? Like, what a beautiful returning of what a wild emotional ride this world has been on. Hell yeah. Honestly, but what do you want to answer instead? Because that was just us for the listener. I think we leave the frame. Yes, it is leaving. It, this is a kind of a, a bastardization. This is a, a blend of making a discovery and uh, leaving the frame. We follow the tide mm -hmm. to the north. Um, and to the north is nothing. Correct. Right. It's, uh, yeah, when you look at it from above, there's nothing there. The Kolar are deep underground. Right. What it is, is picture a camera sweeping over the uh, fields as these flowers are blooming and, and re reclaiming ash. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's the tide of reclamation. Tide the re of reclamation. The reclaiming tide, right? Reclaiming tide, yes. Um, it folds over and it stops dead at the edge and the camera pans up and we fly over what is now um, a, a blue sky, right? Nice. Um, We're there, boys. <laughs> oh, we we zoom. We we fly into this blue sky, past fluffy clouds, and in the center of the sky, uh -huh. in a pinprick, yeah, is darkness. Oh yeah, emerging shadow. What is the name? Of the god of shadow. And what do they portend? Hey, you want to borrow from something we made in Dungeon World but will never use? I absolutely do. Would you like to tell them what the name of this god is? Is it Miname? Miname. Miname, the god. Oh, you know what it is? Mm. It's Miname, the god of reflection, the god of opposites. Um, the, the, uh, it's like the great opposite, um, the upside down, right? The great reflection. The great reflection. Um, and Miname takes the form, man, hold on. I'm trying to characterize this as, as well as I can. Here's what I say. I don't, I don't think, I think Miname is probably going to look the least humanoid of all of these things. I think it should look the most difficult to understand. Right. It must have a shifting form, right? Like you, you look at it and its form never finds purchase. The the um, multifaceted god, right? The um, I wonder if it's if they're not even referred to as a god. It has to be something else, well, right? What's cool about this, right? I, and like the little bit we've characterized the Kolar people, and this is with them, right? 
I wonder if it like they don't call it a god, right? It is like I wonder for them if it is like a guiding virtue, the guiding virtue of Miname, mm. right? Um, the jurisdiction of reflection, right? It is a law for them. It is not like oh man, it's it's, it's a, a force for them that they the, just follow the the divine adjudicator, Miname. So that paints something different, which is very strong still, mm. right? the The force that Javen we've been talking about of everything having an equal and opposite reaction. Mm-hmm. Kazar is the god of light and, and brightness. Mm-hmm. There has to be an adjudicator for that. There yeah. has to be a scales, right, to weigh mm-hmm. that on. So I love the idea of gods serving multiple purposes to have like a limited pantheon. Right. So I love that Miname is, you know, the multi-faced god, a trickster god, a a reflection um, and, and a, a divine adjudicator of the balance of the world, the god of balance. Um, which to many people feels chaotic. Oh yeah, right. It, it it is it is literally order in chaos. Yeah, to ensure balance, like when something is like and law is happening somewhere else, like order. Because what's cool is that makes perfect sense right now. Law and order are being rebranded here, like it's re getting reintroduced to this, these lands. Right. So it is now Miname's job to create chaos and discordance other places. Mm. Right. And so it makes perfect sense that Miname is viewed through the lens of like. And I like what you said, right? Currently, they are given that title, a trickster god. It's like, but they're not. They're mm-hmm. just doing what needs to be done to strike a balance. Right. You know, it is Justitia, the 5e rendition, but there's too much law. And now their job is to tip the scale in the other direction. Mm. I like that a lot. Okay, next card. Five. Uh, that is going to be our second five. We love fives. What secrets are kept in our place? Why are they kept? By who and from whom? I mean, we could always say the keeper and the secret that would be kept would be um, what the, what's called, what the Quilari are. That could be one of the secrets that are kept because obviously they're not spreading. They don't want to tell these people that have just dealt with, you know, these ash spawns saying like, that's what we are, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, That could be one of the secrets that are kept or it could be possible. They don't even really know that's what they are. Right. It's certainly been enough time since their inception that they might not be. Uh, if we want to go into something different, I am completely open to, uh, what's it called? I'm, I'm, I'm open to suggestions because that's something that would be a little harder for me to know as far as like a secret to the we world. We could totally have a public secret. Yeah. I want to hear what you got in mind, Dan. The secret is that the gods are leaving soon and the gods are keeping that secret from the people. That's why they refuse to have that much of an impact. Like, they don't want to directly interact with these people. Right. The the coordinates in absentia who have revealed themselves, coordinates revealed, are departing. Why and wherefore, or wherefore does mean why, but <laughs> wherefore and where to, who knows? Um, but it is coming. And I think in our next time skip. You know how we know they're coming and what actually signifies it? Hmm. Where it's broken, the that... Uh, light in the sky, uh, the eye, those tendrils are still moving towards each other. We just don't see it. But I think I think in the glass, like we dig into the ground, the camera does, we find like a glass piece that has where that image in the sky should be and the tendril like inches. And they are like inches from touching each other. And And it's this beautiful poetic thing of gods are not, a new age must turn, right? The world is always changing. Very good. That's good shit. 
are we continuing or is this where the campaign is this where um, um a year here's what i here's what i want to do well we still have one more well coordinate. that's the thing i think that's named right the final coordinate it's got a name uh for sure as being the only thing that hasn't dropped yet right uh, but I want to hear what you have to say first. I'm totally fine with continuing because I love what we're doing. But like, there yeah. is a point where, we're like, the, as a as a DM, man, can I craft a campaign off of something like this? Yeah. And can I craft a campaign if we establish like actual an actual city mm-hmm. and a, a year of that city existing in this world? Mm-hmm. This is such a fucking rich content area. Right. Yeah, it's tough. Because on the one hand, yeah, that's that's certainly not um, a bad idea at all. Like at the same time, I have one hundred percent faith that we can get here again, uh, given more turns, right? Yeah, I think maybe my instinct is, or I I know that my instinct is to play to the end. Cool. And we can pick a point, right? Oh, for sure, right? Um, define this timeline because like we have gone from cool thing to cool thing to cool like. None of it has been bad. For sure. All I could tell a been... campaign in all of these like eras right, right. that have existed. And so I, I, I am... characters in all of these eras. Yeah. Black I'm... Ash, um, Ash, Fallen Ash, uh, fucking Vosh. I would love a campaign in Vosh. That's such a dark campaign. Right. Um, you know, all of it's good. Telling a campaign, which is literally just the war, like the named war of getting to the center light. Right. Like, that's a vivid campaign. Right. And like that sort of thing, because ultimately the story that would be told, I feel like being in a world where the gods are about to leave or maybe being in a world where the gods have just left Mm -hmm. paints itself to a grander scale than I feel like maybe our goal is for this campaign, Very fair. which is to tell kind of maybe a story. I mean, not necessarily, but um, you know, uh, in our main dungeon world campaign, we are dealing with massive scope, right? Um, What does it mean to tell a story of, of a smaller scale? Right. Um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll put a pin in that because there is nothing that says that, you know, we, we play through a few more, we do another time skip and then it's like, no, man, I really do want to do the quiet year right before the year before the gods leave. It's so cool. Is really something. Right. We know exactly what the winter shepherds are there. Yeah. The frost shepherds are shepherds. Right. Yeah. Uh, maybe we do do that. I don't know. <laughs> well, first we continue and wait till we get to a point where, like, I think we wait till we get a 10. Yeah. Uh, and then maybe Certainly. that's our, like, our year. Right. We are still in this place. That sounds great. Let's play until we draw a 10. Okay. Flip I'm, the I'm, next card. Next card is a 10. <laughs> ace. Second ace. Oh, second right. Ace. And I believe is it is right? you now. No, yeah. Dan, right? It is time to plant the seedlings. What are the seedlings and where are they planted? What is the harvest that is hoped for is the is the prompt. You got my gears turning a little bit here. Um, it is time to plant the seedlings. What are the seedlings? Um, man, hear me out. Hear me out. We can totally toss this aside, right? The southern people, the ones that are left behind. I wonder if they have gathered the ash and are trying to plant something with it. Granted, that's taking things in a very different direction. Yeah. But and we don't have to, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm totally fine with us just going the route of like the seedlings that are getting planted are this flora and color returning to the plant, like returning to. I have another proposal, uh-huh. which yeah, takes, things, yeah. takes things in a very certain way. No, mine was cooler. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, fine. I mean, if you don't want to do mine, that's great. Yeah, yeah, it's no fucking cool. Whatever. Yeah, sure. Uh, you, oh, it's always your ideas. Um, <laughs> should be called Dan likes the idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't like it, it's not getting in. 
Um, praise be to editing Dan, the greatest God among us. Oh um, God, I love you, editing Dan. <laughs> please leave my cool lines in. Like Dan, Dan's finger hovers over the trackpad. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the gods' departure is not something that they are stoked about. I think that they know the Frost Shepherds are coming, right? Ooh, and they are see that? they are trying to leave something behind. They are trying to leave one last gift for this world. And I think what it is, is making people demigods. Oh, man. I think it is passing, uh, not, I want to be clear, each of them is giving one person some divine ability. And like they're going to be the representative of them or like champion. The, yeah, um, representative is a good word. We'll come up with a cool, with a snappy capital letter word. I think I, I kind like we need a, a word that encases them, but for sure each of them have their own, right? Yes. Like uh, the classic op- us. No, for sure, right? Like immediately what I thought for Kazar is like, oh, the opulent crown, right? Mm. The opulent crowned. Um, you know, we look over to uh, Anima and it's like, oh, the animated. Do you know yeah. what it is? Is it's um the crowned jewel. The crowned jewel, right? Um, you know, the wild heart. Yeah, and then, the wild heart is good. Yeah, the wild heart. And then we go towards the north and it's like, oh man, I'm very I want to spend a little time on Minimaze because that's exciting to me. Well, I wish that there wasn't a show called this because the black mirror is quite good. Come on. Listen, we change the wording. We find a better word for black, right? Yeah. And we cha- we find another way it's, to say mirror and we're good. It's it's the void mirror yeah. is not bad. Oh. Mirror void or oh. something like that. Void's mirror. There you go. Void's mirror, dude. Yeah. Okay. So. Cool. Cool. Those are yes, the seeds. That is what is planted. A Quilari individual is is becomes Void's mirror. So we're in a weird place where we on we are on um a supercontinent, right? We are mm-hmm. on a giant place. So technically speaking, everything is is Kazaret currently. Yes. Um, but we are in a place now where home has been reestablished. There are kingdoms now, right? And we need to talk about that. Um, and I think the easy the easy divide is there is a North Kingdom, a West Kingdom, a South Kingdom, an East Kingdom, right? The kingdom to the east is the domain of Khazar, right? You know, the, the city of opulence will come up with some cool name for it. To the west, it's, you know, the bountiful harvest of, of Vashara. Again, we'll come up with a snappy name. To the north is the, um, you know, the sunken domain of the Quilari, right? You know, they have some great name. And then to the south, it's maybe the south is like the barren wastes. There is still, oh, here's what it is. This is the sign that the gods are not all powerful and that they are leaving. Um, The reclamation tide stops at the south and does not continue. It hits a hard wall and there is still a vast land of ash and waste. And that's, yeah, that's the blighted lands, the the, the remnant blighted lands that is a bad omen. Here is something cool too. Um the western lands uh anima's lands i wonder if those people are starting to become resemblant of like elves sure. and, like, and like halflings yeah. right because they're becoming like forestal people here's what it is mm, like sylvan oh, sir go ahead yeah no you're good oh this is very good nick it is the passing of the gods power to the people, to the people. oh and they start taking on the aspects that of in, their that imparts take oh dude so. the Kularan horns turn shadow. Oh, the people are Vashari. 
There are Vashari people, Kazari people, Kualari people. Oh, fuck. Um, or or potentially, uh, maybe, no. I the, like that Kolar has pride, right? They are Minimae's Kolar. Yes, yes. Um, uh, oh, man. Um, what if some of their skin starts turning white and they get, and they take on the aspect to actually change? Like, there's changelings. Yeah, in, in I think, North. yeah, for sure. Oh! Our, our recording, yeah, our recording cut off a little bit. We're going we're gonna to recolor what we're talking about, which is um, defining the races of these places, right? Oh, hey, that rhymed. <laughs> um, but yes, the, the, the Vashari people are varied right the, which is the, the people to the west people to the west yet yeah, the western vashari people um you know the domain of nature and 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 godliness um in terms of like flora and fauna right um you know that there are stout halfling like people that are more animalistic you know take on the qualities of ram ram's horns buffalo you know like um oxen type features someone might have like hair like a lion's mane oh and you know what that looks like when it happens mm. it's the ash of like under the ground forming back into the animals because we have already seen that kazar could do something similar right right and it's like the ash like coming together with the people well, yeah i think we just recontextualized that it wasn't kazar that it did was that vishara. it was vishara yeah. yeah it was it was anima you know, like mm. she, you see this beautiful little girl descend to the ground and like draw her fingers across the ground and create Laughing, flowers. Yeah. And a huge monster comes up to it and she just like <laughs> and boops its yeah. nose and it becomes a big elk that she rides upon. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, oh so that's good. Much better. Yes. Um, yes. And that um, uh, to what are the what are the Kazari? People I got you. Look like, okay, so hit think, me with it. I think the Kazar people um they're i i really want to evoke like they take on the element of what they're near right like we get people who are made from like rock near the ground we get and every single one of them has some sort of gem across their body like you see people who are like made from like obsidian rock but then on their shoulders they have like amethyst growing from the shoulders that's very and, like, cool you get people who are like are maybe towards the ocean who look like sandstone but like along the edges is diamond that like well, yeah, there's oh, certainly a love that a feel of um Genasi people. Yes. Which is ironic because you might ascribe that more to Vashara, but this is very much like you said, a reflection, um, a a um a facet of mm -hmm. their world, right? Because it is less a reflection and it is almost like the way I am trying to characterize the change is like when you look at them through a looking glass and you turn that person into a looking glass to match what they're around, yes. what does that look like? What What is a person that is a refraction look like? Yeah, a reflection of where they are. Right. What if their skin starts to change color and they, like, just instead of if you didn't want to go the stone route, their skin simply changes color and they kind of gain a resistance to the elements of sun. The sun, you get the tieflings coming out. Something along those lines. If you didn't want to give tiefling such a, I kind, uh, I had an idea for like a tiefling sort of representative, right? That like uh, this. I don't want to call them tieflings, right? They, I right, think they definitely and, are. Rep and also, sorry to cut you off, Nick. Yeah. And also to just drive home the point that like, I want to be clear that we are using these D and D races as Names easy only. touchstones. We, are, I have personally very little interest in recreating right stuff for 5e like right in terms of like i don't like there doesn't need to be a direct representative for tieflings but i do love their aesthetic and i love that like um maybe kazar um is a, like a, a desert like Ooh. kazar is light kazar is is endless summer kazar right. is is you know beating heat um but in a world that has experienced endless rain and snow like like ash and snow like how pleasant is that like it's very um I, I keep touching breath of the wild and i know you haven't played breath of the wild Nick. but i know the i know the touchstones which is um good. 
the desert landscape of Breath mm-hmm. of the Wild where these people are in, you know, very vibrant kind of outfits. Very sun t- sun-kissed people. Um and like I think I think there's a wide variety, right? Like I certainly believe like yeah, there are rock people, there are uh, people But I that... also love that there are people who like it's just their extremities that look like gems. Right? Yeah, exactly. And, like they're like it is like, their fingernails yeah, are, their finger... are it, diamond. They look that similar body type of tieflings, but like their tail ends in like sapphire oh. and their fingers end in emerald, right? Man. And they instead have... of horns, they just have those uh, are the big gem show pieces, yeah, right? They, I was gonna say they just have protrusions of gems coming out of them. That's fuck, fucking that's sick. L- sick as fuck. Yes, very cool. Um, okay, Hell on to the yeah. next one. I'm glad we went forward with that. I think I found uh, my race. Uh, I also have a, a cool thing if we want to touch on the southern people that I think emerge here. I'll say, is there anything in the south? Yeah, what? I and you guys can shoot this down because we haven't even defined uh, what that coordinate is, right? Yeah. Um. Like we said, right, everything has to be a reflection, and there's something very powerful about this. They're ashen people. They're people literally made of ash. And it is like, oh, why did the reclaiming tide stop here? Because the deity manifested. And it is like this cloud of ash. And like this moving, like almost eldritch being like that, like tentacles across the valley, and when it swipes its arm over like the ash, people start rising. Can I give this god a name? Yes, please. I didn't have a name. Eldaria. This is the rising of the elder ash. Um, the oh. the resurrection of the fallen. Yes, the fallen, dude. The, oh. the resurrection of fallen Ooh, ash. I love the name. Is that the name we're gonna go for the race? The fallen. I love that. Fallen ash, right? Would be yeah. a great name. Like, mm-hmm. oh. What was his, the name? Eldaria. Eldaria. So they could very easily be Eldarian people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure, they're Eldarian people, yeah. right? But like when people refer to them, like, oh, the Ashen, uh, the Ashen Risen, the Ashen Fallen. Yeah. Like the Ashen, the like, Arisen oh, Ash, the Arisen Ash. Oh, Ash given form, yes. right? So oh. is this? So then, is this going to be like the aspect of, um, for lack of a better word, uh, or lack of better way to phrase it, is this death then? Yes. Yes. This person sure. represents this person represents death to me. That's a complete... And not only that, I don't think they're an answer to Vashara. I think what this person is an answer to is Miname in the sense of like this isn't reflection, this is what it is. This is what this place was. Mm. Like this place was death, but that doesn't mean the end. But I would like to think that of all of them, Eldaria is probably the most inscrutable. Yes, I a, a great way to put it is the the god of endings. Yes. Whatever that means, right? Like the you know the the god of endings of finality of death and resurrection. Um yeah, like Eldaria the defiant end oh. is very strong. It's good stuff. Um okay, let's move on to the next prompt. Oh, jeez, I love that so much. Man, and this is why we keep playing, right? We we almost stopped playing, and we just defined so much about this world. From that races one, to the last god to the last that, kingdom. With that one prompt. That's and very good. I wonder, too, if like the Ashen Fallen look like all the other races just made of ash. Yeah. And like all the olden people who died here, right? Mm-hmm. And I think something we see to like visualize that is we see one of these Ashen go towards the center and they find their name on the wall and like 
That's my name. Like put their hand yeah, on it. Yeah, put their hand on it and we like cut away from that, right? Yeah. Or or I wonder if it's even more vague than that, which is they go and they like they are they make like for some reason they feel drawn to the center. There's right. a great pilgrimage of the Arisen Ash, um, which is also very cool. Pilgrimage oh, of Arisen dude. Ash. Yeah, keep going, please, but I have a great idea here. Well, it's they make it into the center and like you see them like look at their names and just kind of like like it, there's some recognition there. But what exactly is not clear? Like, there's something lost there. So they have foggy memories of a of a life that's not theirs. I was gonna say. Anymore. I think like when they are risen, they are compelled to go to that wall to find their name. They do not know why. I don't even think there's like an epiphany there. But it is just like I even think they themselves have a name for like a freshly risen person. It's like, oh, you can't interact with them. They need to make their pilgrimage still. The nameless. The name, oh, perp! They have to claim a name, dude. The pilgrimage is the claiming of a name, and like, yeah, we you are. If we visit that wall now. What we see is like chalk of ash, like scratching out names. Yes, it is. Uh, Eldaria is, um, you know, if it could speak, is like, you know, um, you are fallen kin, like them. Go and make yourself as they are. You know, pluck a name from their resting point and draw it upon your heart. You know, Dude, this, and I, this is who you will be. I really love the like the the preaching ideology of like we will never live in um we will never live in beauty. We will never live in color, but we will never live in squalor. We will never live in death. Well, it's like it's what it is, is we may never live in beauty. We may never live in abundant flora or fauna. But we live. Yes. Oh, that's powerful. Capital, yeah, capital that L. Is a, live. That is the only thing Eldaria says to a freshly risen. Right. Like as live. you're like in a, in an Elden Ring cinematic when you are like that cutscene of you rising is Eldaria saying that to you as you get up. Yes. From the ash. Arise, you yeah, darn it. Exactly. <laughs> you're uh, broken. <laughs> the broken of like people who couldn't find names. Like oh, it's said that there are people wandering who got lost on their way to the center, like or looking. stuck somewhere. Like there's a guy in the mountains who got stuck, trapped under a rock, and they're just eternally clawing and trying to get out, but they can't because mm. they so don't sad. die the same. I wonder if like, man, can you not die unless you claim a name? Yeah, I mean, I think that they live super long lives anyway. Oh, right, for but at like, least for this history. Yes, like someone's like. Have the Ashen ever died? I was like, I've never seen one die. Yeah, I, <laughs> I certainly don't know one like, that's died. My grandpa knew that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, my great grandpa knew that one. Right. Oh fuck, dude, I love this place. So we have established our our world in four quarters, the supercontinent of of the Quilari, Minamay's Quilari, the Kazari, the Vashari, and the Eldarians. Eldarians, oh, excuse me. The Ashen Eldari. Yeah. Oh. I can't say Eldari. Oh, sorry. Games Workshop's going to come uh, for us. The Ashen Eldarian. El, Eldarian. Eldarian. Yeah. Eldarian. There we go. It's Eldari. Ooh, it's spelled differently, though. What? The El, uh, Eldrin is cool. Mm. Uh, but I like I like Eldaria too much. Yeah. Yeah, I like... Because the thing I'm trying to evoke is Elder, right? Yeah. So Eldaria is very... Very good. Eldarian, etc. Um, okay. All right. Let's go. Next card? Uh, yes. Oh, no. Wait. You know what's funny about that? That was when we were. That was one of the ones where we were gonna answer a different question. But I just had a cool idea. Yes, about... you you pushed for me to answer that prompt, and I'm very glad that you did. <laughs> Our first hint, finally. Let's roll oh, that d6, pal. I Unless you... we just want to decide on a time. We'll we'll see what the dice say. Roll okay. one d6 it... and then another. That's a five. That's centuries. Jesus. Okay. 
That's a three. 300 years. How long did it take for the gods to leave? Are we like right there? Man. Yeah. 300 years into the future is the amount of time that it took for these things to proliferate. What yeah. we have just discussed. What we were describing, yeah. Yes. These things so happen these, over... These races evolving. Right. Showing these, up and having societies. kingdoms right. arising. Okay. And now we are in the year before the gods' departure. One quiet year before whatever comes. Oh, hell yeah, dude. What a good spot. That's a good spot. What a journey, and we still only played half the damn game. Uh, <laughs> oh, I love this. Obviously, everyone's play experience is going to vary here. We are almost heedlessly enthusiastic uh, and can can riff on things endlessly, uh, and so we do. And so playing the entire game uh, does not feel necessary, but you can see the flow of this game. Um, and I urge you to please go to Everest's um, itch page, which I will link in the description of this podcast, um, to to uh, send some money their way because they certainly deserve it. Um, what an amazing game! Um, that honestly, I told Nick this morning, um, I'm so hyped to build this world because I truly have no clue what we're gonna make, and never in a million years could I have predicted the story that we have told, um, and and what what world we're going to be in. Um, so yeah, this is like five hours that I probably will just break up into two, two and a half hour episodes, um, just for the sake of, uh, anyone feeling like they can listen to it. Um, but I want to thank you so much. If you have listened to all of this, that's honestly crazy. Um, if you like what you hear also, uh, give us a rate on Spotify or Apple podcasts. It goes a long way in getting us seen. Um, and would really mean a lot. Um, but for now, uh, we are going to move on to the quiet year and, uh, we will see you in the world of whatever we decide to name this world. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, I'm Nicholas Acosta, typically a DM here. Happy to be part of the world building. I'm Dan Wolf. I'm Javen Kitchens. And you've been listening to We Like the Idea. And boy, we had a lot of ideas that we liked today. And we hope that you will return to see a lot of them come to fruition. We love you very much. We hope you're safe. Take care. Kisses. Goodbye. <laughs>